Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 148 of the Sports Podcast. And just to let everyone know, we got a jam-packed podcast coming your way here today. We have two interviews, one with James Dotson from lcsportsnet.com, powered by LCAP, and Ray Reinstorf from District 10 in the Erie area from WPSE. Mm-hmm. So we have two Pennsylvania-style of high school football. Anthony and I will talk about what happened in week one here in mm-hmm. Northeast Ohio. And Mark and I kicked off our season last Friday and in Liberty and watched Joe Simon get his first victory with the Leopards uh, against Western Reserve. It was really an entertaining ball game. 30-12 to was the final score. That doesn't necessarily tell you how entertaining the game was. It was actually a, a quite entertaining game between those two schools who may have met for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and we're seeing a lot of that this year, which is really exciting. Which I like that, yeah. Matter of fact, uh, I was talking to Mark earlier, mm-hmm. real quick. Uh, the Mooney and Hubbard game is Friday. That's on Western Reserve and WBBW twelve forty. Mark and I will have that game. Mark will have lead. I will do color analyst. First meeting since nineteen seventy nine. Is it? Yes, the fifteenth overall. So, yeah, it may have been the last time Hubbard was part of the Steel Valley in seventy nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. That'd be my guess. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it goes a long way back. So it is great to see these two schools uh, playing again. And uh, as you just heard, there's our partner, my friend, Anthony. How are you, my friend? Great. It's nice to be back. Uh, we are wrapping up baseball season, maybe thankfully. And football kicks off next Thursday night, officially for me. It kicked off Friday for you guys. Uh Great call, by the way. I snuck it in uh, during inning break to the Indians games. You know, Mark sounded phenomenal. Um, and that was a program win for Liberty Friday night. Yes. Th- that was a culture-building win. Um, down 12 nothing uh, against a team that has had some success. Granted, a new head coach for uh, Western Reserve. But to get down 12 nothing, just to really, you know, just really struggling to find their footing. With a new head coach and a weird offseason and everything with COVID, uh, to come back like that in the home opener and season opener and win 30-12, to 12, uh, that's a culture win. Uh, the culture is changing at Liberty, and I don't, and I'm not saying it needed overhauled, but every coach wants to put their culture into effect. And uh, the Leopards took a huge first step uh, Friday night uh, uh, starting the season off right. Yeah, let's just continue with this right now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little high school football. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the Western Reserve Liberty game, mm-hmm. and I will say this: Western Reserve's a good football team. The Blue Devils are going to win some games this year. They have a young quarterback in Luke Henning. He's only five eight. He's only a sophomore, but you can see some of the talent that he has. Mm-hmm. He possesses both uh, as a offensive weapon and as a leader on this team. But David Altier, the running back, uh, six foot, one hundred eighty pounds, senior. Obviously, Coach Lute is going to build around this young man. He's a he touched the ball only 10 times or 11 times in mm-hmm. the entire game, had about 150 yards, two touchdowns, two huge runs for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You can see the makings of what this offense will do going forward for Western Reserve. I mm-hmm. really thought they, you know, they have a nice three-back system. They have mm-hmm. a wing back. And Caleb Durick, who who had a nice game, he's a senior. Justin McClain, the fullback, he got some carries. He's a senior, so you can see some of that, you know, in their mm-hmm. in their program. And I really think long term, 
that they uh, are going to be fine. Now, Joe Simon took over at Liberty, the former writer, yes. high school football and writer who's been a heck, uh, assistant coach for many years. Uh, this is his former mater, so he's obviously very excited about the opportunity. Uh, Derek D'Amato was the uh, quarterback uh, for him to start the game, 6'2", 210, uh, a junior. Kid. Yeah, big kid, and, and did really well. And uh, they also showed D.C. Farrell at quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's uh, smaller, 5'8", 135, and only a freshman. Man, between those two, they got some dynamic abilities to uh, do things. And then they have a senior running back in Dante Vetters, who just had a he's fantastic a, game. A yeah. you can, Well, he's actually a junior. I said senior, but he's a junior. And um, he's absolutely fantastic. And I'll tell you what, you can see the makings of this team under Coach Simon mm-hmm. changing. Last year they went 1-5. They obviously were invited to the playoffs. Everyone made the playoffs. Yeah. But this team here, even with the 16-team now seats, yeah. uh, you got to think they have an excellent opportunity we have to going forward. Region 17, yeah. uh, probably looking at an early-round matchup. Now, let's not get too far ahead It's only week yeah. two, um, and they got a long way to go. But if you want to look down that way, 16 teams, you're probably going to be looking at an early-round matchup with Kirtland. Oh, um, you know, but someone's going to face them, I mean, obviously. And that's... And that's yeah. arguably one of the best, if not the best, coach team in the state. Right. And there's just, like I said, so many players talk about uh, that they had they, they really showed last Friday night. You know, uh, Chris have, Cunningham, mm-hmm. a receiver, who was just had a terrific ball game. And they, they fed him the ball a lot. I thought he had a great game for Liberty. And it was, I tell you what, it was a fun game to call. It was a fun game to watch, and what was unique is it was a beautiful Friday night. Gorgeous. And because Liberty has a smaller press box, we got to set out front. Really? Of the press box. They brought a table and chairs, and it was a beautiful night for that. And the crowd was sparse, probably because of COVID restrictions and other things. But what a great crowd that was there for both teams. And it was a, uh, hopefully, those who listened in really enjoyed it. I really, I'll be honest, I was... Really impressed with both teams, and uh, the way Liberty handled being down twelve nothing, and then scoring thirty eight consecutive points in the rest of the mm-hmm. game, and taking advantage of it, and uh, a couple bad breaks for Western Reserve with some small punts, mm-hmm. uh, special team errors. But again, you're going to see that early in the season, and those are correctable mistakes. So. I really think the Blue Devils, Western Reserve, has a quality team and should be a team that's going to uh, also contend for a playoff spot. I really do. With the expanded playoffs right now, most of our teams that were always right around 8, 9, 10, 11 are going to be in playoffs. Hosting home games now at this point. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. And it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, The season's going to go quick. Um, We talk about that every year. Uh, coming up week two with Mooney and, and uh, Hubbard, it's going to be here fast. I mean, it's yes. just it's shocking how fast it's going to go. And Saturday, I start the LC Sportsnet, powered by LCAP season beginning mm-hmm. in uh, Western PA, as we're going to have Nishanik and Shenango. And uh, it should be a terrific ball game with the, those two uh, schools. Uh, it's kind of a traditional tip-off type mm-hmm. uh, game. Yeah. Um, I think it was the first game I ever did with Mo, with Lee back in the day. So it will be a, really a great 
atmosphere and uh, seasonal coaches, meaning they've been around forever. Mm-hmm. And I'll have more information as as uh, next week after I see them play and remember some of the people mm-hmm. involved. Yep. I hate saying it by that, but I'll be taking it day by day. Uh, uh, you know, first up is Mooney uh, Hubbard. Next up is, uh, you know, Shenango and uh, Nishanik. So it's going to be a really jam-packed weekend for me. And next weekend it will be jam-packed with the, with the two games. And, you know, that, from that point on, we're just I'll be bouncing back and forth uh, between uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I'm going to be in Ohio with Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, about four weeks I will spend uh, after that in Pennsylvania. I know three weeks for sure. Yeah. Three of the last seven weeks, um, but we're still working out the final dates. Who needs me mm-hmm. the most? Yeah, type thing, and where Mark can get coverage to help someone yeah. when I'm not there. So we're going to figure that all out. But I'm really excited about going forward. It's going to be a lot of. I say it all the time, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It, but it, it really is. It's going to be a great challenge, and I'm looking forward to it all. And uh, yeah, what a, what a beginning. Now, before we, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let me bring in my good friend, James Dotson. I had a chance to talk to him earlier this week about LC Sportsnet, how it came about, what's going on, how you can uh, watch and listen to the games going forward. Everything you need to know about uh, LCSportsnet.com, powered by LCAP. So from what I used to say, my high school basketball partner, and still will be, Mm -hmm. but technically now my boss Mm -hmm. with Sportsnet, it is James Dawson. So this is James Dawson from LCSportsNet.com, powered by LCAP. It is my pleasure now to bring in my basketball partner and head honcho of the new Lawrence County Sportsnet, James Dotson. As I mentioned last week in our podcast, I will be doing double duties this year, not just in Ohio, but going over to uh, Lawrence County to help out with the uh, LC Sportsnets and uh, Let's get it from the beginning here. Uh, James, how you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great, Tim. About as uh, good as can be expected. We're, uh, we're coming down uh, to the beginning of the season. What, Ohio starts uh, this, Friday. this weekend? Yeah, yeah this, uh, this Friday, Saturday. And the uh, uh, Lawrence County over in Pennsylvania will be starting the week after. So uh, it's going to be full steam ahead. And I want to know when you're going to have time to, uh, to do these podcasts anymore, Tim, because you're going to be. Uh, busy as can be, which I love to see, but uh, you're going to have some long days ahead of you, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I got a, I got a jam packed uh, weeks to come up the next 10, 12 weeks. is going to be a lot of, a lot of fun though. Uh, you know, I it's, look at it this way. I won't know where I'm at, but that's okay. As long as I'm at the right stadium, I'll be good. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm fortunate to have two good partners. Uh, you know, them both obviously, and Mark means and uh, Lee Moan. So I, I feel good. I feel like I'm in good hands. Uh, well, uh, we'll take care of you best as we can, but uh, can't promise, you know, when, when that inevitable mistake comes up, when you call the PIAA by the uh, OHSAA, <laughs> then uh, you might, you might get a Shawzi headset thrown your way. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that'll be coming from the sky. So there's no question about it. Let's talk about the uh, LC Sportsnet. Obviously, this has been a brainchild for the last couple of years for you. And to get to this level right today, just talk about how, how, how you developed the thought and where, where it is today. Well, I mean, this started back when, uh, back, back from even before when you were working with, uh, with Lee, uh, when Mark had to take a time off after having his, uh, stroke, 
you know, five, six years ago, you, you did that year with Lee, uh, the following uh, couple of years, um, after Mark passed away, uh, Lee and I had a season of Lawrence County football on local radio station. And it just, uh, after that year ended, it was determined that it was not going to continue in following years. And ever since then, we've just noticed that, you know, the fact that Lawrence County, um, it really struggles in terms of getting the coverage that we think it deserves, uh, especially in terms of the live coverage, the broadcasting of radio and video, because it's right smack in the middle between Pittsburgh and Erie. So any Erie coverage is not coming as far south as Lawrence County. And most Pittsburgh coverage is very rarely going to come as far north uh, as Lawrence County is. And uh, if not for you know people like us who are just in that area, um, we wouldn't be getting any coverage. And it just so happened that... Um, me being an affiliate uh, or being something with the uh, Trib Live High School Sports Network for the past five years now, that if there was ever a good game in Lawrence County, well, that's in my backyard. They were going to send me there. What if there's two great games up here? You were going to be hard pressed to find enough people to be able to cover uh, both of those games. So uh, seeing that kind of situation really got this kind of in motion a couple of years ago um, about you know the thought process of, well, hey, okay, two, three years down the road, here's what we can try to do. Uh, last year when the pandemic happens, honestly, it was a little bit of a selfish act on my part that I didn't want to be leaving far from home. I wanted to stay within the county. I uh, was able to work with a couple local businesses to create a special Lawrence County game of the week uh, through the Trib Live High School Sports Network. It worked well. It was kind of the, you know, the, the groundwork, breaking that ground to uh, really get into what we have now, which is a, a full-time sponsor uh, of LCAT. That's the uh, Lawrence County Community Action Partnership, basically Lawrence County Social Services, um, that they they stepped up from the very beginning. They want to see more uh, interaction and more uh, publicity for these young athletes to be able to uh, promote them as much as possible. So they stepped up uh, big time in help getting this uh, sports network uh, started. And, uh, you know, we would have loved to have done it last year or two years ago. And just, you know, things just didn't quite work out here. All the everything's meshing together right at the right time uh, to make this happen. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We're expecting over 100 broadcasts of uh, sporting events. And not just that, we're hopefully going to tap into some of the schools as well with uh, some other kind of community events, whether it's, you know, um, you know, pie festival type of performances, you know, something with the arts, whether it's an arts fest or, uh, you know, the Christmas concerts, um, if schools want uh, some extra help in getting those broadcasts. And, of course, the, uh, the annual Lawrence County Band Festival, uh, 40 straight years, we'll be doing that uh, with a full production crew. So uh, lots of, uh, of video uh, broadcasts, and that's the idea, too. We were to have uh, all these or as many as possible being full video uh, broadcasts as well. Uh, so it's not just your uh, typical audio stream uh, that, you, that you'll see a lot of, you know, radio stations, uh, especially in the smaller productions, we're, we're going all out with uh, HD cameras and uh, instant replay, hopefully going to be uh, up and running for week one. It's, uh, it's going to be quite a show. We have a lot of great people to work with us. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing what we can do now with uh, on the internet and video streaming. And I've, I've had a, a small glimpse into that world in the last few years, obviously with Trip Live when you and I were doing it for basketball. Uh, a couple of years back, but more importantly, this past year, I did some uh, GDFL semi-pro football games that were video streamed uh, by a, an outfit over here in Ohio. And you see that it doesn't take a lot of people, but you have to have a commitment of like three people to get it done. Cause you need a, uh, if you have two camera people, you need two camera co- people, uh, operators. You may need a, uh, a, a, a computer producer, 
uh, let alone with the two play-by-play uh, -play analysts going on. So, I mean, it does take a team to get it done. So talk about that, getting um, the recruits in like myself and mm -hmm. Lee. Uh, talk about what, what was necessary to get that part of the, uh, the network going. Well, the thing that was most of concern to uh, everybody at LCAP was making sure that we had the quality uh, on-air talent for the, the voices uh, to be able to, to you know, give that good picture. And the fact that we could come in and, uh, and bring four veteran uh, broadcasters into this, I, I think is absolutely huge. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the rookie of the, of the broadcasters, honestly, that we have. I mean, Tim, you've been doing this for, what, over 20 years now yeah. in, in terms of uh, covering uh, local sports, high school sports. Lee's been uh, working with MSA back in the day, North Allegheny, Trib Live, uh, for coming on 15 years. Uh, and uh, Corey Campano uh, is another uh, guy who's going to be joining with us uh, on the Lawrence County Sports Night. He's been going for uh, coming up on 10 years now. Uh, as a broadcaster. So we have four quality guys and I think we could all flip back and forth as necessary between a play-by-play -play and an analyst position, whatever needs to happen based on you know, what we can have in a night. But because of that, we have two solid crews that we can go and do two games on a single night. And I think that's what's uh, big time key. It's the fact that you, there are so many times that there's, you know, Nishanik against Laurel and Shenango against Union on the same night. Those are two games where the opponents are combined five miles away from each other. Right. And you can tell me I can only do one of those games. No, we want to get them both on the air. So there'll be times we have two, even three games going on uh, on the Lawrence County sports net. So that was the big part to start with was making sure we had the, uh, the, the good on-air talent, but then even more than that, it's like, in all honesty, any one of us can go and, and talk about a game, but it's another thing to be able to go and get the tech side of it and get that all figured out. And uh, Joe Canciello was uh, kind of the brainchild with me in terms of making sure we had all of this, uh, lined up here, the different things we need to make sure we get uh, set up in terms of getting it on the air properly. Uh, he did broadcast. He's the uh, tech coordinator, at one of the schools in Lawrence County at Union High School. And uh, they ran a flawless system last year. Uh, things worked very well throughout the entire year. And we kind of just piggybacked off of what they did, what they found out worked well and what didn't work well. And then talking with some of the other local schools, same thing, find things that did work, things that didn't work. And, uh, all of a sudden we have systems to be able to put into place. And then we found a couple of good producers, uh, a couple from the various schools that work their own broadcasts. They're going to be doing their own uh, school broadcast again this year, but also tying in with us. And uh, a lot of you know, young, interested, uh, sports-minded people who are going to be helping uh, to run the cameras. So people who, uh, some who have degrees in you know, sports broadcasting, sports management, videography and some who just do this for the love of the game which is exactly how uh, us broadcasters also get started with it tim some of us who go to school for it some of us who just do it on the side so it's a nice little uh, collaboration we have about uh 18 total people who will be mixing in and out throughout the course of uh, of the school year uh helping out whether it's as a broadcaster a cameraman a producer or all of the above yeah we got a lot going on it's going to be like i i use this phrase a often and it's it's going to be fun because it's going to be exciting and new and it's going to be, I'm sure a little glitches along the way, but that's, that's to be expected. But more importantly is the exposure for the young athletes and the schools and the programs that they, they have. And let's face it uh, with technology today, we can, we can actually let more people see some of these athletes do what they do best. And, and the greatest thing about this, in my opinion is 
being a guy who's over here in Northeast Ohio all the time, uh, this is an opportunity to expand uh, that viewership, you know, for people who are like over here that follow me and uh, know what I've done for the last 20 years, have a chance to see Newcastle or uh, Union or Neshanic uh, or Shenango and all those other schools in that area. And uh, years ago, they used to get coverage on the local TV station. That's not no more. They've, uh, they've let kind of like the Pittsburgh market take over Lawrence County over the last, I would say, 20 years. And it's a shame, but now they're going to have a chance to see it again. And that's what's great about it, because go another step with that, Tim. Anybody could go to a ball field, go to a basketball game, put up their camera and say they're giving proper coverage to a group. Well, some will say, well, you know, any cameras is better than nothing. No, it's still got to be quality uh, coverage. And I think that's what we're going to be able to provide, you know, is the quality video coverage, but also quality sports minded people, people who know the area, who have been around the area. And can be able to, you know, talk about exactly that. What's going on on the court right now, but what's going on around the area? What's happened in the past here? Why is this game so significant? And, you know, anybody who's watched Lawrence County sports, I mean, you could say it's about any local rivalry, uh, obviously, but it just hits home a little bit differently uh, with a Lawrence County game. Two, two schools in the county. I mean, there's eight schools total in the county. When they're playing each other, they are at each other's throats. But yeah. when one of the teams goes far, into a district or a state tournament, you have fans from all eight districts going and supporting that team the rest of the way through. And I'm not sure how many counties can say that sort of thing, that you're at each other's throats. It's almost like, yeah, sure, I'll go root for that team up north, even though I'm a Buckeyes fan, or at least uh, they'll claim they do. I'm not sure how many actually do. But um, I think that's the, the, the cool thing that we're going to really try to showcase is just how united this entire uh, county is. It is the county of champions. All eight districts in the county last year, Tim, won a gold medal at the district or state level in a team sport. Again, I think that's absolutely unheard of uh, to be able to have that much success across an entire county um, with, with all the schools being as successful as they are. So we're kind of uh, picking up on that right at the right time and celebrating the county of champions with some extended coverage. Yeah, that's it's. It's exciting. So let's talk about the coverage, uh, though, and not start this Friday here in Ohio. It starts on the 26th, 27th, 28th uh, weekend. Talk about uh, what the uh, the initial uh, broadcast coverages will be for the LC Sportsnet. Well, the, the Lawrence County Sportsnet uh, presented by LCAP, the, the main part is we want to get as many, especially of county against county teams. And uh, what's nice with the, uh, the way the PIAA set up their uh, system in the last couple of years is uh, set up, they call it the week zero uh, over here in PA, uh, where teams can elect to play a second scrimmage or they can play an extra game right away. And with that, uh, playing a, an extra game right away, you can get some of those local rivalries that have started to fizzle out a little bit, which is great for us because that means we have plenty of these games to go on. So right off the bat, you get Union against Mohawk as our first broadcast uh, on Friday night. Uh, that's Friday the 27th. And uh, th that's where you have Union, the second smallest team in the entire or second smallest uh, public school, I should say, in the entire state going wow. against a local team, Mohawk, just a couple of miles up the road, uh, a couple of classifications higher uh, and bigger than Union. But we expect to see a, a pretty good game. I mean, Union actually has the, uh, the veteran coach of anybody, Stacy Robinson, his 25th season, which about 
matches the number of players that uh, Union normally gets to come out each and every year, uh, which m- makes it fun for us too, because you see, you know, the fact that you have people that have to come and play right away as freshmen, and uh, you can barely even get 11 on 11 drills. But you're going to have a couple of fun names uh, for Union to watch this year. Tyler Staub, um, he's going to be a senior quarterback, over 1,200 yards passing last year, and uh, 16 total touchdowns, uh, also a threat on defense. Jackson Clark, a real good player there. Um, Union's always, their issue is the offensive line because, well, again, they're a small school. They actually just had a kid graduate, Aaron Gunn, who's now playing as an offensive lineman at Louisville. So they've had an uptick in that offensive line. He's gone now. How will they affect that? And uh, to talk about Mohawk on the other side in that game, uh, Mohawk, they had the issues last year. They had so many injuries. They had freshmen playing for the first time at Mohawk in the entire five-year tenure of their head coach, Tim McCutcheon. He's never played a freshman more than a couple of downs here or there. Nevertheless, two offensive linemen starting for the entire season. That means that they are all now much more uh, veteran-based. And they also have a really good quarterback, John Voss. Uh, Really, his first full season playing the game of football throws for over 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns a year ago, uh, throws it to a variety of receivers. And uh, I think you're going to see some uh, big names in Mark Conti and uh, A.J. Carnucci, especially being some big guys on the edge. So that's the first game to start it. Can't ask for much more than that, except, hey, we got Saturday football action. The Shannon hosting Shenango. Shenango coming off of their best season in, oh, oh, about 12 years. Uh, A 7-2 record made it to the district semifinals. Uh, they have a lot of parts to replace at the main positions, though. Reese Watkins, their do-it-all running back, played a little quarterback last year as well. You know, you have to replace a senior who had 21 touchdowns in a shortened season. Uh, that's going to be a, a big issue for uh, the Shenango Wildcats. And also their uh, quarterback, Tino Campoli, a three-year starter, started as a freshman. Um, he's not going to play his senior year, still nursing an arm injury that missed his entire baseball season and baseball is his main sport. It sounds like he is going to be uh, not coming out onto the gridiron this year. Uh, So those are your two biggest offensive threats, but you still have four offensive linemen returning, uh, a dual quarterback system likely coming in, a couple of guys working for it, your top three receivers all returning. So still plenty to work with uh, for this Shenango team uh, that ended up one game away from a, a district title. And uh, speaking of dual quarterbacks, looks like Nishanik's going to do the same thing. A uh, couple of guys who will go back and forth, Kurt Sommerfeld and Johnny Huff, back and forth between the uh, quarterback and wide receiver position. But uh, it's the one-two punch in the backfield. Uh, Matt Ionilli is a big, bruising junior uh, running back, good in the goal line, the short yardage sets. Cameron Owens, though, the Owens name still making its way through Nishanik, now a senior uh, he played wide receiver his first two years, mainly running back last year as a junior, uh, 1,200 yards and uh, eight touchdowns. That's over 12 yards per carry, by the way, for Cameron Owens a year ago. He'll be the main feature. I mean, there's no secret, <laughs> according to yeah. Coach Mazzocco. But I'll tell you what, the Shannon, same thing. A undersized line. They work harder than ever. Really glad to see Landon Schaefer is going to be back too, Tim. He suffered on the, it was the third play of the offensive season. Uh, last year that he suffered a compound fracture on the field uh, in the very first game of the year was unsure if he would ever be back on uh, on a football field again but he is back and ready to go and will lead an offensive attack for Nishanik that you know they didn't make the playoffs last year and that's something that they are not pleased about this is the team that has made playoffs now eight out of the last 10 years uh, they want to get back to where they think they deserve to be and they think they're going to be battling for high school championships. But I got to mention this too, Nishanik, they might be the Oregon 
of high school football. Nine jerseys, wow. nine pants. So that's 49 different combinations that they can go throw out there. We're going to have a lot of fun with the color commentary for the Nishianic games. As long as the numbers in the uh, the jerseys aren't blended too bad like Oregon can do at times. Oh, uh, let's let's hope not. You know, it shouldn't be. <laughs> It shouldn't be, but we'll uh, we'll have to just wait yeah. and see uh, on that one, Tim. It's uh, every broadcaster's pet peeve. Oh, it, oh yes. The, I will say this: um, everything I can think of, I can't think of any jersey combination for Nishanik or for any of the other uh, schools around uh, in Lawrence County that they have anything too difficult. It is a broadcaster's dream to work with. There's no question. I remember being over there. Uh, with Lee a few years back, and it, it's fun. I mean, we got now. If I'm correct here, and I and I have to check my memory, as you know how good that is. It's the Lancers and the Wildcats, correct? Lancers and the Wildcats will be that Saturday game. That'll be uh, yeah, Tim's I'm first one on yes. the air with with Mr. Lee Moan. Yeah, that'll be a good one uh, for for sure. But what I also like too here, Tim, is the fact that by the end of week two, we will have covered all eight schools, which is really impressive. We'll hit Laurel and Elwood city uh, in the week one games. Um, well, week one right. game two, however you want to say it, uh, Laurel coming off of a, a rough year where they thought they should have gone uh, better, but they return almost every starter uh, except for the offensive line. They lose a couple of linemen. They're also going to do a two quarterback system. You'll like Laurel Lee. They're a team that will go wing T on one play. And then four wide receiver shotgun spread on the next play. Oh, I love that. I absolutely. Their their quarterback in the spread, when they go to the wing tee, that quarterback will move to fullback. Oh, wow. Toby DeRosa has put 30 pounds on this year. He will be the spread quarterback, but then line up as the fullback in the wing tee. Him, Luke McCoy, Colin Bartley are a huge three-headed monster running the football and a team that they, they will control the clock, but they know they are going to have to throw the ball more this year. They're also do a two quarterback system and uh, Elwood city, the other team we'll see in week one, they're on the other uh, end of the spectrum right now, a great story in basketball and softball is the uh, underdog. Uh, they're hoping that the football team can do the same thing because they're on a 17 game losing streak right now over the past two years. However, their middle school team just won the tri-county championship this past year. So you're going to start seeing some, uh, improvement there yeah. for the Wolverines coming up. Exactly. So uh, keep your eye on Elwood city. And then the last two teams, uh, Newcastle and Wilmington, that's going to be fun, Tim, because this is a network. And the main thing about the network is collaborating with others, working with these schools and their journalism departments. We're going to have uh, students who will be uh, coming and working cameras, producing for us at times, but also working with local radio stations. When Wilmington's in a big game that we want to go and cover, we're going to tap in with the Mercer County radio, send up some cameras and uh, hook on to the uh, Mercer County radio station. So uh, when they have their games against, you know, Farrell and uh, Sharpsville, especially, we're going to be there, uh, not as broadcasters, but we're going to be providing the images to go with their uh, with their words. And there'll be plenty of uh, good action there. That's a team that has now made it to the state semifinals in three straight years. Trust me, they're a team to be watching, um, even with brand new faces all around and uh, Newcastle, same thing. We'll join with uh, WKST like we've uh, been with for basketball. Anytime uh, we can go up there and join forces with them, send our cameras with the KST audio uh, like we've been doing uh, for the past couple of years. And uh, Newcastle also looking to big time rebound after a one in five season, but they too return uh, just about everybody uh, in the skill positions and have a lot of depth in their 
uh, position. So the first time Newcastle hasn't made playoffs in 10 years, I expect that to uh, go back to normal here for this coming season. Yeah, we've seen a lot of unique things happen last season because of the, the shortened season, uh, just the overall difficulty that the pandemic brought to not just the schools because certain players couldn't play. They may have had to opt out, that type of scenario. So a lot of schools did not have their uh, full complement of players. I think that this year we're going to see uh, more of a, a normal season. Obviously, uh, the pandemic will still play a part of what's going on, but hopefully it will uh, – it won't be a big, big part of the story this season. No, it won't. And uh, I mean, again, we hope it won't. We hope we're back to as normal as we can get. But you know that people are going to be cautious. People are going to maybe not be going out as often as they'd like to on a Friday night. But we're glad that we can help provide that coverage with it. And uh, you know, that's on our end. From a coaching standpoint, though, I, I do find it impressive and maybe a little scary how many coaches are really buying into this two quarterback system. I mean, are, yeah. are are these coaches potentially, you know, worried that they may lose a player, maybe not due to injury, but maybe also because of, of potential COVID or illness uh, still rearing its ugly head at times this year, who knows, but a lot of these schools are emphatic of, no, we don't have one quarterback. We have two, you know, the old adage is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a single quarterback. I don't think that's the case anymore. When you have Shenango potentially running two quarterbacks, uh, Wilmington going between a couple of quarterbacks. Newcastle specifically will do a two quarterback system, as will Nashanik, as will Laurel. Um, I mean, so you got four out of the four or five out of the eight schools just in Lawrence County who are embracing that two quarterback uh, idea. I think that's uh, going to be a lot of fun to see um, if some of those turn into, you know, full battles where one quarterback wins out by the end of the season, or if they'll continue with that back and forth. Um, throughout the uh, throughout the course of the year as well it's a uh, just another fun little wrinkle that we will have to deal with let's talk about the sports net uh the lc sports net just in general some of the plans for you obviously we're talking about football season coming up and we'll have all the weeks and and all the major uh, games coming on each friday or saturday when available on a saturday but let's talk about just the overall vision i mean obviously you got not just football, but you have volleyball, you have soccer, you have uh, other sports that are being played in the fall. What do you, uh, what is some of the plans for uh, Lawrence County sports Day? The, the plan is to get as many events on, on the air as we can. And again, the emphasis on getting as many County versus County games as possible. Um, so now of the eight Lawrence County schools, there are off the top of my head, three with uh, boys soccer, four with girls soccer, and seven of the eight have a girls volleyball program. We're going to do our best to get at least one game for all those schools uh, in the fall for all the major team sports. Again, the best we can. We can't guarantee right. it, um, but we're going to uh, we're going to try our best to uh, to make that happen. And um, it, it goes beyond just the major sports. Obviously, football is king in the fall. Basketball is king in the winter. Uh, baseball and softball, obviously, in the spring. But you know the tri county. Uh, cross country meet near the middle of October. If we can send our cameras there, we intend to do so. The uh, diving championships, if we have Lawrence County athletes involved, we'll try to send them uh, to see those diving or swimming championships. Come springtime, definitely the big track meets. We don't, we anticipate having a five or six camera system even uh, set up to be able to have the, uh, the different events all covered uh, to be able to get some uh, really fun, unique kind of coverage, maybe that you don't see. How often do you see a high school track and field meet uh, being broadcast live 
uh, unless it's a district or state championship, you probably aren't. So I uh, hope they can give a little bit of a variety there. And how about this as well for uh, something a little bit different? It's not just about the sports league. September the 22nd, the 40th annual Lawrence County Band Festival will be broadcast live on the Lawrence County Sportsnet powered by LCAT. So mark that one down. It's about everybody uh, playing uh, playing on the uh, on the field during halftime as well. They get their night to shine and we're going to be there to showcase it. That's fantastic. That's what it's all about. Uh, there's a lot of talented young men and women in the Lawrence County at the high school level, and they don't just all are athletes. And as you mentioned, musicians and uh, possible cheerleader competitions and uh, other scenarios that you're going to have an opportunity to, to really showcase. And I think that's exciting. Now talk about just the partnership with Trip Live. Obviously, you mentioned them earlier, but that's a big part of this, too. It is a big part of it, Tim, because, you know, well, first and foremost, I mean, Trib is, has been great to me personally over the last couple of years um, in terms of just getting getting my name out there more and getting me uh, broadcast after broadcast all around the Pittsburgh area. Can't thank them enough for what they've done, Don Rebel, Justin LaVar, and everybody there. Um, but we're now able to partner with Trib. They have about 20 or 30 radio stations that uh, they call their affiliates, basically a radio station that will send their broadcast to Trib, and then Trib is able to uh, post it on their site as well. And what's good about that is the fact that on a Friday night, you want to see what games are on. You're going to this one website. You know that you can find every single game that is being done all across uh, Western Pennsylvania, which is awesome. Um, but even better, Trib has the uh, rights to the WPIAL uh, playoff games. So if you want to do a playoff game, you got to pay for it and you got to pay trip unless you're an affiliate. If you're a trip affiliate from the very beginning, um, then you're able to do any and all of these uh, high school broadcasts uh, that you would want to do all through the playoffs. So it, it ends up being a great deal for us because we can then go and work throughout all the playoffs, but it's a great thing for trip as well. They love the association with Lawrence County. We mentioned it earlier that just, Lawrence County doesn't get the coverage that it deserves and Trib realizes that as well. They can't cover Lawrence County nearly as much as they would like to. Well, now they're getting two video streams of every football game on Friday nights. Plus, you know, the volleyball and soccer games in the fall, more basketball games going on in the winter months, uh, baseball as well in the, in the spring, they're getting more content that they can work with, which is equally uh, as awesome for them. So it just, it's a, it's a great association, a great partnership that we can work with. And that's the idea of a network is to be able to work everything together and get everybody to benefit. They get more content to be able to, to work with. Um, and we're able to then continue to give them that content all the way through the playoffs without having to uh, spend more on the, uh, on the playoff rights fees. So it'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, actually was just in contact with, uh, with the main video producer, uh, there at Trib, uh, Jess Levo, great girl. Um, she's got us all set up that uh, they just launched a brand new uh, marketing tool, basically to create highlight reels uh, for various players throughout the uh, WPIL. And the first thing she did was call me once it launched and said, hey, I uh, want to make sure you guys are, are in on this. Any good highlights you guys get from your games, send them to us. We will give you all the, all the credit for it, but we can package it all together and create basically highlight reels for all these kids again more exposure is beautiful uh, it's it's a wonderful thing and uh curiosity we didn't talk about this uh previously 
when we were brainstorming this uh, of, over the last few years. But what about any uh, maybe possible coaches shows or uh, highlight shows, anything like that? Just maybe a recap of the week or a preview of the upcoming week. Will any of that be available uh, to start this uh, this network this week? We're hoping that we can get to that, Tim. Not sure we'll have officially you know, a, a weekly show per, per se, but the the intention, yes, is to be able to have you know, almost like a weekly recap type show or a week preview type show. Um, again, it might not happen immediately, but that is uh, part of uh, the many long-term goals uh, of this network. We want to uh, get uh, more of the, so initially we're going to be mainly focused on the broadcasting aspect uh, of all this. Uh, but also to have more written articles, pictures up there um, from people who are at the games and uh, as many ways as possible for, uh, for fans to interact as well. And one of the cool things that, um, that we're going to have, again, this probably won't happen immediately, but it's in the works. So uh, put it, we'll put it down in writing is that say you're at uh, the game between uh, Union and Mohawk and we are covering that game tonight. We're covering two other games. Well, guess what? You can be submitting the score yourself onto our website and the score will then uh, update as the game goes along. That's what's in the works as well. Might not be ready for week zero, week one, but uh, by the end of the year, that's another one of the cool little aspects that we're trying to build in, bring everybody together. That, that's what makes Lawrence County so great is how they do come together. This is the perfect opportunity to make that happen. Uh, there's no question. It's going to be, like you said, a collaborative effort, a uh, effort from uh, not just the, the two games each week or three games each week that, will be available on the network, but it will be uh, those who uh, can participate in other ways to uh, to get their school and their players and the exposure out there. So that's, that's exciting. And I think as this grows, you're going to see more and more people want to become involved in what we're doing. I'm, I'm excited. I really am. I thought, you know, when you and I talked about this over the last few years, I kept saying, well, just let me know. I'll let you do, I'll let you do all the hard work and uh, I will, I will show up and, and do the games each and every week I can. And uh, you know what? It's worked out really well. I got to thank you. I got to thank Jim fair, uh, Jim uh, Craven and Mark means and Dave Ferris, who I uh, work with over on West reserve radio, who uh, absolutely uh, is helping making this process possible for me to do both games, both here in Ohio and then go over to Lawrence County to do games too. Uh, you know, Mark has been fantastic, as you know, and uh, Jim was absolutely all aboard. Matter of fact, uh, I think he may uh, be contacting you soon about uh, on these extra games on Saturdays that have to do uh, to broadcast the live audio feed on uh, Western Reserve Radio. So don't be surprised uh, if you have a, another uh, <laughs> member of the network. Hey, that's that's the that's what it's all about, Tim, is, again, getting that networking, everybody working together to uh, to make this uh, as beneficial for for everybody as possible. And and the goal is, you know, like I said, the, the Trib Live, that's the place everybody goes because they know all the games are going to be there. We want to right. create that to start with Lawrence County so that, you know, we have four of the schools covered, but the other four schools, maybe they have their own stream being sent straight to our site. Um that, that's kind of the idea is that we want to create this one little hub that everybody can go to. So, you know, you can find all of that information and that's, and that's the brilliant part of it is that the more exposure we can get and everybody knows where to go to get it. That's the idea. So Lawrence County sports net, LC sports Hopefully we can find, uh, find everybody 
uh, online and uh, on a weekly basis. And yeah, we would love to be able to pro- provide uh, audio to Western Reserve as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was uh, something that was discussed last time I talked to Jim. And uh, I look forward to that possibility because I think it'd be, it'd be great for everybody involved. And uh, James, like I said many times, this is going to be exciting. I can't wait uh, as this year progresses because the opportunity to do uh, so many sports that I don't get a chance to do or uh, see some, some of the schools that I don't get a chance uh, during the uh, winter or the, in the spring is really what it's all about for me. It's just an opportunity to be involved and, and see everything that's going on. And you and I have had such a great relationship the last four years covering Newcastle and the idea of even an expanded Newcastle schedule now with this opportunity is even more exciting to me. It's just, uh, I mean, I know uh, the article you, you, you sent out to me earlier had uh, Coach Ralph Blundo talking about this and uh, you can see the excitement, not just in the coaches in the in the schools, but I think you're going to see it in the community as it grows. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I mean, I've had coaches reach out and uh, basically say, "Yeah, th- thank you for what you're doing," because th- this gives the opportunity for more and more exposure. That's what it's all about: is getting getting everything out there for the kids. And um, with that as well, we the, the local businesses are stepping up and doing their part as well, getting uh, getting sponsorships sponsoring you know play of the game player of the game uh awards that we're going to be able to give out we're going to be giving out uh t-shirts for it not only a, a player of the game uh each week and at every game but also for uh the top play of the game throughout the uh basketball and football season so uh yeah. just fun little stuff that we can you know get the kids involved and get them excited and hopefully get some uh you know cap shirts going across uh and going out throughout the uh the eight districts in the area but yeah, it, it's great for, for everybody involved. And it just, that's what makes it fun is that everybody can come together and make, okay, this is cool. We're getting more and more uh, of, of the action. And I'll tell you what, after last year too, a lot of people are enjoying the fact that I can, you know, it's a Friday night. I'm, I'm going to sit home and see, see what's on TV. Yeah, well, I- guess what? We don't sit and watch TV anymore. We go and put on the computer or the smartphone, go dial up lcsportsnet.com and uh, see what local game we're, we're going to because we're going to have some great county games and some great real big section conference clashes that we're going to be looking at throughout the entirety of the year, Tim. It's going to be it, – it's repetitive, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's It's been a headache to get everything set up. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we're coming down to crunch time. I can't wait for it to start because that's when the fun will truly begin. All right, Sunday – or excuse me, Friday nights uh... – on the 27th is the first broadcast, streamcast, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what game is that? And then Saturday's game. And then give us a, a preview of week one slash two uh, games uh, getting ready to be covered. So the first game on that Friday is uh, the opening game, Mohawk hosting Union in a, again, local rivalry, uh, non-section game. First two or three weeks are all non-conference uh, clashes. Uh, and then the Saturday game is the Shannon hosting Shenango. Week one, uh, we're lined up for Union hosting Elwood City on Friday night and Shenango hosting Laurel on Saturday night. We're also potentially uh, trying to set up for a our first collaboration with WKST Newcastle on that Friday, the third and week one of Newcastle hosting Quaker Valley. And then uh, the we'll get into week three because we know we have that one lined up. Uh, Nishanik hosting Union 
as one of our big games uh, in week three or week two, game three. But after that, Tim, it's wide open. Whatever game is the best uh, looking game for the week, that's where we intend to be. So stay tuned. The schedule will change. And uh, that's the fun of it because the schedule will uh, reflect what's going on across Lawrence County, the best games, the best scenarios, and as many county versus county games as we can get. That's fantastic. That's the way to do it. I love that open-ended schedule. Uh, get the season started with your first couple of weeks, maybe three weeks of the season, and then look for the best matchups and the best opportunity to uh, give exposure to the the schools that are, are succeeding and schools that are, have the opportunity to be seen for the first time. I think that is a, a wonderful way to doing it. That's the way I used to do high school football many years ago. We used to have a 10-week season, of course, in Ohio. And then I think the first four weeks, we would kind of predetermine it. From that point on, it was the game of the week. Whatever was the yeah. most important game uh, would be our, uh, our focus. And uh, that's kind of what you're looking to do. And it's, it's going to be fun. Like I said, I know I use that, that terminology a lot, but it is going to be exciting. It's going to be action-packed. And uh, it, we're going to have a good time covering all this. And I'm looking forward to uh, not just working with you again, but looking with Lee and uh, just being involved. It's, just, it's an exciting time in high school sports in Lawrence County. And uh, it should be a, a, a perfect opportunity for everybody involved. I can't wait for it. And uh, in case there's any Wilmington fans out there listening, I didn't mention them. Uh, first Wilmington game for sure is looking to be uh, simulcast on Friday, September 24th. A lot of away games early on uh, for the Greyhounds, but we'll definitely have that one. And we'll definitely have uh, their big local rivalry against Farrell coming on October 8th. So uh, stay tuned, Greyhounds fans as well, because we know you're expecting to make another run on a march towards Hershey. Yeah, can't wait. LCSportsNet.com is where you'll find all the information in the broadcast. And uh, James and I, Lee Moan, and a few others will be along the way to help you out uh, with coverage in Western Pennsylvania and in Florence County. As uh, It's going to be eight schools, and it's going to be, well, it's just going to be a derby. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't. We can't wait to get it started, Tim. And, uh, you know, we, we encourage anybody out there. I've had multiple people come up to me uh, just in the last week since the announcement has come out you know, saying, hey, I, I've done this uh, sort of thing or I, I have a sports management degree. I, I want to help. I, I'd, I'd love to get involved. Hey, please give, give us a call. Uh, shoot us an email and f- find us on a website. And uh, we, we'd love to, uh, to get, again, as many people involved as we can because the bigger we can grow this thing, uh, the more and more events we can do and the more and more fun we can end up having. So uh, if, if you're somebody who's interested in helping out as a broadcaster, as a camera person, um, as a producer, or just as somebody who's a, a fan of the game and wants to uh, support through a sponsorship, uh, you know, LCAP is Lawrence County Social Services. This is, uh, these are tax deductible donations that you can make to help uh, support these uh, local athletes as well. So please, please, please come out and help uh help make this a, a reality and not just for a one-year thing. We want this to be going 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And uh, we, we've started something special here. We can't wait for it to continue. James, once again, my thanks for coming on the podcast. Always a pleasure to talk to you. I look forward to, I uh, see you hopefully this weekend and then uh, we get started. It is, it is amazing how fast this has come about in the last few weeks. And uh, I'm, I'm just excited about it. About the opportunity. Thanks again, my friend. 
Thank you, sir. We'll see you. Uh, see you soon enough. Good luck on Friday. I appreciate it. All right, that's James Dotson from LC Sportsnet. You can catch him online at lcsportsnet.com for all the information of today or information for the upcoming streams for Lawrence County. All right. That was James Dotson from lcsportsnet.com powered by LCAP. As we get started here back with the podcast, um, James is good. He's, He's a lot of fun. He knows his stuff, and it's uh, it's going to be exciting working there. There's just no question about it. I know when you have opportunities, you're going to come over and help us, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll just take it week by week here on the uh, podcast and in high school football. But right now, let's talk a little college football. As you mentioned, actually, we talked about it before we started recording. We teased. Yeah, we yeah. did tease it a little bit. The Penguins uh, begin a week Thursday. Yes, it's amazing, and I know it's odd to say that considering the season ended just four months ago, but uh, the season opener, the home opener, is next Thursday night at 7 o'clock at Stanbaugh Stadium. Uh, The Penguins will take on Incarnate Word, a first-ever meeting with the Cardinals from the Southland Conference. Um, I don't want to get into it too much because next week we'll have the first episode of the Ice Cash Report, which is another plug and tease. And we'll go in depth to preview the Cardinals and the Penguins. I don't. I'm always excited. I'm, I mean, you've known me now for seven, for six, seven years, whatever it is. Um, and I think everybody that knows me knows that I bleed red and white. I'm wearing YFU stuff right now. Exactly. Um, I'll say this, and I don't think there's a bigger Penguin fan other than me who doesn't work for the university. Probably. I, uh, you're one of the biggest. Yeah. There's no question about it. You're um, the most faithful yes, Penguin uh, fan. I will be there Thursday night, even though a lot of people, rightfully so, will be at the Canfield Fair um, and watching Ohio State, which uh, they kick off two on a Thursday night. Which a, lot, a lot of Thursday night openers for our teams lately. And Yeah, I don't want to get into it too much, but as I was saying, I, I'm not sure where I stand with this team. I'm, I'm not... I'm not pessimistic. I don't think we're going to get killed. I I have no idea what to expect. I really don't know what to expect. Well, we didn't get what I would say a good preview in, the, in the spring. We had a pretty much a disappointed spring season. Mm-hmm. And the lack of forward thinking or lack of uh, belief in a team that seemed that the coaching staff had, maybe it was... COVID related. I'm not. It doesn't matter. It's over and done with. We got a brand new season, I, and I want it. And we'll see where they lie. Obviously, there's a lot of rumors flying around mm-hmm. about who's playing what position and mm-hmm. what's going on. Very possible to see a freshman play quarterback. We'll wait and see. Uh, and if it is, we'll wait and see what type of offense they they put yeah, around him. You're right. And I don't. And I don't care who the quarterback is. I really have no favorite. All I want is. A coaching staff that recognize the skill sets of that player and build the offense around those skill sets. If he's a running quarterback, fantastic. If he can run and throw, even the better. And if he's a read and react uh, quarterback, fantastic. I don't care what his skill set is, and I'm not going to sit here and say he's this or that because I haven't seen him play. We've read reports, Mm -hmm. and... It's been very tight-lipped at a Penguins yeah, camp. Well, and it should be. And it won't surprise me if we see We're multiple. We're going to see qu- two quarterbacks. Yeah. Right? 
and but we'll wait and see how they determine that. Let's not play each quarterback against every each other. other. Series. Yeah. Let's not do that. No. Let's. Um, if you want to do what Ohio State did a couple of years ago with Cardell Jones and J.T. Barrett, where Cardell was a starter, and when you got into special packages or uh, the red zone, you put J.T. in the game, fine. Right? Look, yeah. there's talent on this football team that can be utilized, um, and maybe the spring was a COVID year. We had no idea what, what these guys could do because you couldn't really meet with them, and it was a lot of virtual things, and it's tough to install, you know, um, so, to me, I don't want to throw out 2020. No, but can't. You can't. But I also don't want to read so much into it and say it's done, it's over, 0 and 10, or 1 and 9, based on spring training exhibition preseason game, because that's what we use them as. Let's yes. be honest. Um, if here's, here's the question I think will be answered within the first two weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. What we've seen in spring of 2020, was that 10 or 20% of the offense and he just completely buried the rest of it because it, A, player's not available and or, and or exactly yeah. in the scenario and he just didn't have a time to install it properly and they went real basic? Or B, that's who they are. We're going to find out. And, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping that it's, it's actually C, mm-hmm. that we're going to see more. I even throw this wrinkle into you. We might see a whole new playbook scheme offensively depending who the quarterback is. Because you know what two guys can do. Right. Mark Wade and Joe Craycraft played a lot last year. They're two different quarterbacks. Craycraft's more of a pro-style quarterback and throw it. Um, Wade's more of a runner. Um, I would switch that around. No, Craycraft's more of a thrower. I, I think Craycraft is a terrible thrower. I think well, he's he, a I, I, thrower. Well, I think he's just an absolute. Well, I, th- I will put it either. this way: on a scale of one to ten, as a passer, I put him about a three. Yeah, it, and 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 I would put, I would actually put. Um, but he's not a runner either. No, and 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 that's kind of the that's problem. The problem because you're trying to run a see right, and I was going to say Wade to me is a, a six six plus on both scales. Wade to me is Wade can throw the ball. People don't realize it. They now well, you may have you may have questions about him reading defenses and throwing interceptions and stuff like that. That that's a legitimate question. But to me, Wade, I've seen the kid play. I know he can throw the ball. I know he can run. There are, but the problem is, can you develop an offense that uses his skill sets to the most? Uh, Mark Wade is not a Mark Wade is not a quarterback that can be a sole drop-back passer. Do you have to get him on the perimeter? Yes. That's where he was so successful at Gerard. And it brings back to mind the semifinal game that you, Matt, and I did down at Dover. Yes, yes. And it's fourth and ten, and Wade rolls out right on a design bootleg, mind you. Then his legs kept him alive again outside of the initial rush, and he threw a beautiful strike downfield. And I think he threw for over 300 yards in that game. Like oh, yeah. He didn't, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> excuse me. Mark Wade can throw the football. Correct. Like you said, reading defenses and the intermediate routes are a was, work in progress. Yeah. But Mark Wade can't help receivers not getting open. You need talent there. I mean, let's be honest. Tom Zetz and Jeff Ryan would struggle throwing 
roster these guys right now. Absolutely, you're um, you're, you're correct. So it takes more than just a quarterback skill set. It takes an offensive skill sets, and you need you know a tight end who can block and get open. You need receivers. And YSU has good tight ends. Right. That oh, need the, well, utilized. that's the one part of the offense last year in the spring. We can honestly say we developed tight ends. The think, tight end play yeah. last year was high. Um, the offensive line was shaky at times. The receivers were poor. Now, if running we backs, can get running backs down three running backs. Right. right. I was gonna say running backs are quality. I think we have we have enough and different type of looks. The again, to me, it comes down to philosophy, mm-hmm. understanding your players' skill sets and designing it around their best abilities. And if we see the bland Oh God red- Oh God you know, offense that we've seen and the lack of imagination that we've seen in in the spring. And we're in for a long season. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. But if they open up the offense, and I don't mean they have to be... Mike Lee. Right. Running gun. Let's right. 40 times yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, they don't have to be. However, I honestly say this because I'm prejudiced. But if they ran a Shanahan slash uh, Cleveland Browns type offense right now, I think they would get tremendous value out of it, where they roll the quarterback out, the get zone them blocking scheme, zone yeah. blocking yes. on the running, getting receivers open, trying to go downfield on certain plays. I honestly do believe that offense could fit YSU most perfectly with the skill sets of the players they have. Now, I would grant you that you probably don't have the outside threats that you need, you know, meaning uh, with speed mm-hmm. to stretch a defense, but there's enough. Tight end play, there's enough slot play mm-hmm. that you should be able to move the sticks when you're in third and five, third and seven. And that's the key because you're going to be in those situations where you want to be third and two and third and three. We have your whole playbook. Yes. But chances are you're going to be in five, six or seven or worse. The problem is you don't want to be third down and 10, third down and 12 like they were in the spring. And I don't want to make this pile on the offense. The defense has got to be better stopping the run. Yes. And they've got to be better getting out the field on third down. I mean, far too many times last year did they give up third and nine, third and ten, third and seven. Way too much. And the special teams play has to get better. It cannot be poor again. If it's poor, yeah. you can't miss kicks. Be, you can't. I mean, Jim Trump ha- always right. said the punt's the most important play in football. You cannot have a poor special teams again this year and expect to win games. I don't want this to seem like we're piling on, but it's brutally honest. I have no idea what to expect. I really don't. It could. That's kind of what makes it exciting about coming exactly. next Thursday. I have no expectations because, A, the spring was so low, and, B, there's reports that there's some new faces, guys that weren't here in the spring that transferred in, um, freshmen getting a look, uh, sophomores getting a look. Uh, I'll tell you right now. And it's probably going to be, hey, thanks, Captain Obvious. Number four from literally Dre Rushton is going to see the field this year a lot. I he played hope against so. Missouri State in the second half, scored a touchdown, played really well. I think you're going to see him as as an Urban Meyer kind of favorite. He can play well, tailback. He can play spl- a slot, like you said. And, hey, guess what? He can play special teams. 
Yeah, and more Get than any, the football. More than anything, when I talked about having speed on the outside to stretch a defense, exactly. He might be a small receiver, but he can get the job done. He's a exactly. running back. You can you can line him up in a lot of different spaces and make defense react to that yep. and do a lot of different things. Let's just I I like I say let's let's get in, light our candles, let's let's get our 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 mojo up, let's. Let's believe that Coach Phillips sees all this and has the ability to bring this out in this team. Um, we will find out what he's made I of. Think... And I, I've said it before. I was optimistic in the spring. Too optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic right now. And I'm just going to say there's no reason for this team not to finish at least 500 minimum. And I would not be surprised if they have a better record than that. I'll say this. Maybe we were so disappointed because we love this program. Sure. I mean, you you have had my dream of covering it, and you covered the championship eras. I've lived it going to games since 1996. Um, by the way, I want to tell a cool story here in two minutes when I'm done with my current thought. Um, so our expectations were probably too high last year with a new coaching staff, being all online maybe. My expectations were way too high. And that's probably why... It seemed like the sky was falling at some points um, because our expectations were here. They should have been here, and we didn't have that, oh, well, I should have expected this. You know, not that you want to expect to lose, but I know personal expectations were probably too high. Yeah. You know, the um, – oh, I had a train of thought and I lost it. Um, the uh, – what was that called? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. I'll come back to okay. that one later. Um, you had a you had a yeah, story. I had a story. Yeah. So, as I said, I've been going to games since 1996. I've had season tickets from 96 to 2009, and then I took a break when I went away to school, and I got him back in 2015. Um, and well, 15 actually was a tremendous um, gift and blessing uh, of having a pass uh, from the athletic department. That was. Uh, just a true privilege and honor and just, you know, r- really special to me. And then 16, I, I bought them for the first time on my own, and I got my own seats, and yeah, I, and that was prideful. But I've always had the goal, and I told this person this when he was still alive. I'm going to buy your seats one day. I will keep them in the family. I told him when I went away to college. I will keep them in the family. They will not leave the family. When I moved back home in 16, when I bought my tickets, they were unavailable. 16, they were unavailable. 17, they were unavailable. 18, 19. This last year, we didn't get it because of the COVID and everything. Unavailable. This year, they became available. So the seats that we grew up with for 30 and 40 years, that I grew up going to games with, watching Jim Trestle, watching these teams compete for national championships, they're back in the family. Congratulations. That and is. That's, that's awesome. And that's, you know, it. it's really cool that – I can have these seats and know those are my seats. And I know it's it's only a seat. It doesn't, you know. No, it does but, matter. It does matter. But when you grow up, you know, see, people don't realize is I've been blessed. I've been to Notre Dame hundreds of times. I've been to the Horseshoe. I've been to Pitt. Not much. I've been <laughs> to uh, Penn State. That's an awesome atmosphere. I grew up at Sandbox Stadium. Right. Whether Friday nights going to watch Ursuline or Saturdays watching YSU, that's where I grew up. So to have these seats back in the family and to know they will not leave this family until my time on earth is done, 
it's pretty pretty special. It's going to be going to be a little more goosebumps next Thursday night. That's awesome. It's no, I, I think that's I think that's wonderful it, that's that you got that goosebumps. opportunity to get those seats back. And, and uh, uh, thank for everybody at YSU for. You know, I know when they say, "Oh, I will note it in your, your file." We're make you know. Sure. They lived up to the end of the bargain. Well, and that's, they came that's and, commendable, and that's uh, and that's that's good PR on their part. Yeah, and let's hope that that PR continues, you know, in the future for everybody's. And I, and I, and I know Ohio State plays Thursday night, guys, and I know the fair is back for the first time in uh, two years, and that's a big economic boost for our area. I know we got some high school games probably going on with school. Um, don't write this team off yet. Don't ju- Don't say. I don't want to go because what happened in the spring. Get out there. It's the only way season. you they... build our culture is the way Joe Simon kept saying it. Come back. Return the roar. We need you to help us get to where we want to be. And Mighty Gwyns are back. We need the community to get there and get behind us. I, mean, I know I sound like a broken record every year. I'm out there trying to get people, and I'll do my job. But get there. Watch the kids that you grew up watching in high school now representing your area. And you might just be surprised how good they turn out to be. Should be a lot of fun. The statement I was going to make earlier yes. is very simple. Okay. Is you ever see the movie Spinal Tap? No. Oh, you need to see it. Okay. It's a hysterical uh, fake documentary okay. about a a, uh, a rock band okay. in the 80s. Okay. Uh, one of the things, what, the guitar player is being interviewed and he's showing his amp off. Mm-hmm. And his amp goes to 11. Okay. All amps go yep, to 10. 10. And he goes, well, it's one louder. And he goes, wouldn't that be the same as 10? Mm-hmm. He goes, no, it's one louder. And that's what I say. Expectations should be high. Exactly. There's no reason not to have expectations high, no matter what the scenario may be facing. Um, it's college football. You should have high expectations. You should have high beliefs in your in your program. Mm-hmm. And that's the correlation I was going to make. Anyone turn their, their volume up to 11 for YSU? No problem whatsoever. Um, do I do it? Probably. Yep. And do you do it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So let's just enjoy the opportunity. Yeah. That means the fall's harder, but I'll take the fall. Yeah. Because the highs are just that much better. There's no reason to have expectations that are mediocre when you, when you don't have to, when, when you get to Chattanooga, like within the nineties, you get to Frisco. I mean, that plane ride five years ago. That plane ride from Pittsburgh to to Dallas and wearing your team's gear and people are like where, where are you guys and saying my team's playing for the national championship or my team's in the playoffs or hey Tim what are you doing this weekend? I'm watching Penguins in the playoffs. Yeah, that what that's what makes having those expectations so fun. All right, with that in mind, let's now turn the page and let me uh, bring in my good friend and former broadcasting partner from uh, our Meville. Franklin, Oil City Days, mm-hmm. and Ray Reinsdorf. He is uh, a member of the WPSE uh, family in Erie. He has a huge schedule coming up. He's going to give you some great information about football in Erie. And uh, it will be a great preview to go along with what James talked about here in uh, Lawrence County coming up with the LCSportsNet.com powered by LCAP. So let me step aside and bring in my good friend, Ray Reinstorf. Well, as promised, is my opportunity to talk to one of my good friends in broadcasting, Ray Reinstorf Jr. from WPSE in Erie. Uh, Ray, great to have you on again. How are you doing, my friend? 
Tim, always a pleasure to join you. Football season is upon us. And after the craziness of 2020 and even part of 2021, it feels good to be talking to you, getting ready for another high school football season for sure. Yeah, uh, there's no question about that. It was, uh, let's just take a moment and, and just talk about what some of the experiences you had last year. Uh, obviously, we all went through it and, and, and experienced similar things, but uh, Erie had some really good basketball teams in 2020 and and some of the experiences you had there when it get shut down and then into the last season of football season, because it was such a, uh, a unique scenario where we had kind of abbreviated seasons for some schools. You and I were previewing the PIAA playoffs in 2020. And we were just reflecting on that off the air. And it's strange going back to think about it because we get through the first round of the PIAA playoffs and then we're into the quarterfinals and I'm covering McDowell playing central York, uh, an incredible come from behind victory for the Trojans in that game, of course, led by Will Jeffress, who's going into his sophomore season at Pitt now. And I remember being on the bus. We're coming back from central Cambria. And of course I coach O'Connor was nice enough to let me travel with the team as we were also covering Villa Maria. So we had our broadcast split. Villa Maria was also in the state quarterfinals and girls foray. So we're coming back after McDowell had won that, that emotional game against central York. They're listening to Butler and the name of Butler's opponent slips my mind at this particular point in time, but they were the number one team in the state. McDowell's number two in the state and Butler had won and everybody on the bus was excited until the news broke about the NBA. And then everybody knew that the announcement for the PIAA shutting down was probably coming the next day. And then on 3-12-2020, everything changed, as you know, Tim. And there was that hope that maybe there could be a scenario where maybe in a couple of weeks they would play the games with no fans in attendance that never transpired. And I still feel for those kids that were still playing basketball and then all the spring sports athletes that lost their senior season in 2020. But the, I guess, light at the end of the tunnel was the fact that we had high school sports in 2020 and in 2021. And for that, I know I've been thankful. I know you were too. We could, write a book about the situations and the different scenarios that were thrown at us, whether it was broadcasting games outside in torrential downpours, like myself and my broadcast partner, Matt Melly did in a Harbor Creek Meadville playoff game and doing games with masks on. And we did whatever we could to get it. I'm just glad that the kids got their opportunity to play. Yeah. I think, you know, as a broadcaster, we're just, want the opportunity to promote the schools and the athletes and the programs that they represent. And, you know, last year, I, I don't know if you ran into this, but I ran into a couple of times where we contacted some schools for basketball and, you know, obviously we're on the road and they just emailed us back. I'm sorry. There's just no room under the current, you know, uh, circumstances. And, you know, so you just, you couldn't do that. Sometimes, uh, a remote video was available, but that was kind of not really available to us when we did it. So we ended up 
not doing like about four or five games that are on the road last year uh, for uh, Newcastle. But yeah, it was just, you know, you, you just took one game at a time in each week for what it was. And I know James and I, we, we were required almost 95% of the time to have a, a face covering on uh, to do the, do the broadcast. And you know what? You just do it. You know, I, I learned that long ago. Don't complain. You have an opportunity to bring it to someone who can't be here. You just do what is necessary to get it done. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Tim. That was the theme of last year, just whatever it took to, to get it done, whether it was carrying tables up several <laughs> flights of stairs into the top of bleachers. I, I tell you, the, uh, the camping table, the adjustable leg camping table that I bought off Amazon was a lifesaver last year. I would recommend that to uh, fellow broadcasters if you're going to be doing some games outside. They make some great adjustable leg tables. I don't remember the name of the manufacturer on the top of my head. But that was, yeah, it got us through a lot of games last year. We only ran into some circumstances where there were, I think, two instances where we were told we couldn't do a game last year. Other than that, the schools out here were just terrific in giving us the opportunity to bring the games to the fans. And again, for that, I'm very thankful and excited that while it doesn't, it, at least initially right now, seem like it's going to be back to 100% normal, it's going to be nice to see pack stands again. I'm sure there's going to be protocols in place, especially inside of press boxes. We'll see what they are. As we approach, uh, when you and I were taping this, we're getting ready to go into the opening week of Pennsylvania. Ohio just had its week one. Just excited to get back into the mix. Oh, there's no question. Real quick side note, uh, last year, uh, one of the games that was uh, kind of canceled or uh, not played because of COVID in basketball was what I was looking forward to in the early in the season was uh, actually Franklin was traveling to Newcastle to play. And I have not seen Franklin since our broadcasting days. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And, and that game off was uh, was postponed because of uh, uh, the COVID situations and uh, protocols. And they uh, you know ended up, I think, both teams finding someone else to play at, at the last minute just to have those uh, opening games of the season, but uh, I was like, just between you and me, I was like, oh man, that would have been fantastic. It'd be like Meville coming to town or something. I would have been just thrilled to see some of those schools that you and I covered. Uh, God, a long time ago now. Yeah, about a decade ago. It, it's always fun when you get those opportunities. It was in 2019, a couple of seasons ago, when we were covering the Harbor Creek Huskies, who had wow, they've had mm -hmm. a great run in football the last couple of years. And they played a playoff game against Sharon at Meadville. And so as someone who spent six seasons calling games at Bender Field, to go back to Bender Field for a postseason game it was a really cool feeling. And uh, now they've named the broadcast booth after the late Jack Highland, who, of course, did uh, color commentary for Meadville for so many years. And Jack was at uh, forever media when I first started there as the voice of the oil city Oilers. And then eventually Allegheny college football and Meadville high school football and basketball and met Jack a couple of times. And it was really, really neat that they named that press box after him at Benderfield. Yeah. That's, that's really a nice tribute and uh, not surprised. Meadville usually is 
quite a, a classy organization and school and uh, programs that they have. So uh, my hat's off to them for doing something like that. So let's talk about this upcoming season for you. How is uh, some of the schools, at least uh, thought process going into uh, 2021 and the high school football season in Erie? Well, we're going to be carrying 28 regular season games on a Friday night for the majority of the Friday nights throughout the season. You can listen to Mercyhurst Prep live on our terrestrial stations and on our first stream at our homepage. And then we'll be carrying McDowell football once again on our second stream. So the majority of those games will be internet stream only broadcast, but we having the capability to do one game on the terrestrial end, one game on a live stream, both of them audio streaming on the website where we're glad to have the opportunity to bring that. We've also got some Saturday games. We'll be featuring some other teams. We have Harbor Creek, Iroquois union city and Fairview in a couple of our Saturday games. Uh, starting with the Lakers of Mercyhurst Prep, last year was a bit of a rebuild year. They finished two and six overall. They were one and five in Region Seven. Of course, the regions were completely different last year. They were basically done for uh, geographic purposes, and they played teams twice in the region. They did lose Gus Campbell, who transferred to Cathedral Prep. He was their leading rusher last year, but they get Dewey Bird back. And Dewey Bird showed flashes during his freshman year when the Lakers made the playoffs and lost a heartbreaking game to Grove City. And I believe that Dewey Bird opted out of football last year because of the COVID situation. So he's back, and I think he's primed to have a big year for the Lakers. They have a six foot four quarterback, David Baum, who's going to be the starter now as Matt Luce was lost to graduation. And from everything that's being said right now, David Baum had a really good offseason. So the Lakers are looking to bounce back. I'll tell you one thing about Coach Root. He is not afraid to schedule some tough teams on their their playing schedule. They start with Penns Valley out of District Six. Then in another non-region game, they have Slippery Rock. And then in two more non-region games, bookending at the end of the season, Grove City and at Meadville back-to-back. So the Lakers have the region games against Fort LaBeouf, Girard, Northeast, Corey, and Fairview. Oh, and I forgot, September 24th at Hickory in a non-region game. So Coach Root, not afraid to play some tough teams. No, that's actually commended. You know, I think that's that's how you prepare a team for a playoff run and, and really challenge them each week is, you know, Find schools that you can play that are that are your size or are a little bigger or a little smaller, depending on the scenario that's necessary. But really challenge your team. Take them on the road. Take, you know, have a home game against a, a big non-conference uh, school. That is that's commendable. I think that's that's phenomenal. Five games like that on the uh, on the schedule, you know, uh, traveling down to Hickory and, and others that you mentioned. I think that's that's how you that's how you do it. I, yep. I hope other schools see the success that they will have and want to replicate it because it's been so much in the last 20 years, Ray, in my opinion, that schools want to uh, program. So I should say would rather not challenge themselves and just make sure they, they, they do well in their conference was obviously how you make the playoffs, but more importantly, um, 
you know, have that, I hate to say it, trophy case moment, but trophy case moment seems to be more of a, uh, a preference than to challenge your kids and to build a program for long-term success. Yeah, there's, I think we have a, a good amount of schools in Erie County that recognize that and, and take that opportunity to schedule. And sometimes it can depend on where your program's at too. True. But especially when we talk about region six, which is cathedral prep, Erie McDowell and now Butler who right. moved to district 10 starting last year, you know, those teams only have three region games, so they have to schedule. And we've seen with McDowell and we've seen with Cathedral prep and then Erie after the consolidation of the three Erie high schools into one, they have no choice, especially you have prep in five a and due to the new success factor, Cathedral Prep, which should make a deep run in the playoffs, could see themselves moved up to 6A in the next cycle. They've already been bumped up once from 4A to 5A, and you could see it happen again, potentially depending on how far they get in the PIAA playoffs, which uh, they appear to be a, a team that can make another deep run last year. Even in the oddest of circumstances, they found themselves playing for a state championship. Granted, that happened against a very good Pine Richland team who, uh, especially in the se- steamrolled them in the second half after the Ramblers were able to hang tough for a couple of quarters, but that Pine Richland team was a buzzsaw in 5A and had the opportunity to go to Hershey and call that game last year. Let's start with the Trojans, who were, for the third time in program history, one step away from a trip to Hershey, but ran into a tough Central York team And for Central York, that was a bit personal because there were some players on that football team that were on the basketball team that McDowell eliminated in the basketball postseason. But Bo Prevula is a Penn State recruit and the quarterback in Central York. And he he had an amazing run after the Trojans took a 14-0 lead. And Central York ended up winning the game 37-21. But Prevula in that spread quick tempo offense just started to chuck the ball all over the field and they had some playmakers and uh, unfortunately the Trojans couldn't get to Hershey for the first time in program history the last time they'd come that close was 95 and 96 back-to-back years and missed out on the opportunity losing in the state semifinals but the team comes back they have five all-region players returning three of them on the offensive line which is always important and Randy White, Roman Miola and Avery Brine, Jacob Sabosky and the as a defensive end, Michael Ozinski as a linebacker. So they've got some senior leadership on the line and on defense. Where McDowell got hit hard was the skill positions. And when you lose a player like a Chris Yukno, like a Brandon Sobolewski as a wide receiver, and that their backfield of Taha Ramahi and Houston Rivera last year was a great one-two punch. All those skilled players are gone, so they're, they have a lot of battles going on right now to fill those skill positions. They've got a battle right now between three quarterbacks and Christian Santiago, Ben Moore, and Jacob Skolnick. I'll probably find out when we have the first McDowell Coaches show coming up this Tuesday from Modus 12 Bar and Grill, uh, who the starter is going to be. So there's been a, a battle with a lot of those skill position players, but at least in the interior, McDowell brings back a lot. Well, that's going to be exciting for them. Yeah, it's, you know, as you know, in high school football, everything goes in cycles. You have graduations, you have transfers, and you have to uh, 
you know, find new players to, to fill those void. And sometimes it's interior linemen, sometimes it's skilled players. And the fun thing is, is to see who emerges. And I'm sure the coaching staff, that's, you know, for Trojans were, that's exactly how they probably approached it. Looking to see, they probably had an idea who may, and then when the competition begins, they'll, they'll figure out what is their, their best option. And uh, with that in mind, right. How often are, has most of the schools in Erie opted to play a game in week zero versus a, a scrimmage, or is this still some of the schools uh, taking scrimmages? It's been the majority scrimmages. In fact, I would say all scrimmages because it everybody is starting next week. Those will be our first regular season games. Mm-hmm. We start on August 27th with Mercier's Prep hosting Penns Valley and McDowell, uh, the game that myself and my broadcast partner, Matt Melly will be doing. And a shout out to our other terrific broadcast team of Sean Amicucci and John Lizering, who will have the Mercier's Prep Penns Valley game. But uh, McDowell will take on Lake Catholic, who, as you know, was the mm. state runner-up last year. But uh, I had an opportunity to watch a little bit of their game against Dover on Thursday, and they got beat big by Dover. So I'm not sure maybe if Lake Catholic lost a lot of players. Again, it's just one week. So we shall see what the Trojans will take on the Lake Catholic Panthers uh, or Cougars. I'm sorry. I remember I did a game between Lake Catholic and Elyria Catholic where it was Panthers and Cougars. <laughs> that was actually, you know what? What's funny about that is I bring that up. That was the first game I ever called play-by-play for a high school football game. And the game went into overtime and Elyria Catholic won that game. So that's, that's why I'm bringing back memories and thinking about Panthers all of a sudden here on the top of my head, but off the top of my head, I should say. So yeah, it the, everyone at least in this area, Tim is stuck with the scrimmage and then go into week one playing games. Well, again, it, like you said, it all depends on the ability to make that scheduling and, and figure it out. It is a unique scenario uh, that is available in Pennsylvania with this week zero first week of the season type scenario. Uh, one, one of the things I've noticed is a lot of like maybe classics are going on now where they can either bring a team in from out of state to play in that week zero, or uh, possibly, you know, like you said, maybe finding uh, a team from, you know, let's just say the other side of the state to, uh, to meet somewhere like maybe let's say Pittsburgh as a neutral field uh, and have like two or three games there. That seems to be a, uh, a growing thing that we're seeing. You think Erie may in the future be interested in those type of things? It could be. And, and I was just, uh, looking over some notes and realized that I, I misspoke because technically I believe the opening week is week zero. Correct. So I, I didn't m- misspeak in saying that the teams are all choosing games over scrimmages. Everybody's just, has been basically sticking with the games, but I might've uh, had the, the reverse thinking that the scrimmage week was week zero when it's not, which that's why this just eliminate the term week zero. I agree. Let, let's just go with week one. Let's not confuse everybody with this week zero stuff, but anyway. No, I agree with that. It's a weird terminology, and it's it's been going in not just in Pennsylvania, but other uh, states, isn't that, using it in different uh, sports. And I I don't quite understand it. Why do they just call it either week one or round one and move forward? If you have nine-game schedule, great. If you have a 10-game schedule, fantastic, you know, that type of thing. And and just build off from there. If it's an eight-game schedule. Just know what you have, and, and it's within that time frame. Uh, it's one of those 
factors too that it, it came about because there with when they went to six classifications in Pennsylvania, especially in the bigger school divisions, you had gaps in scheduling, and you had some teams that were still. I believe this was a scenario a couple of years ago where District Six was still playing their district champ, one of their district championship right. games in six A. And here, uh, McDowell had already played theirs, and they had a week or two off going into it. So that might that, that I think that was one of the motivational factors into the whole week zero thing, which again is another argument against why Pennsylvania went to six classifications at the time when that whole scenario was happening. And I think we may have talked about this before, but I can remember a lot of the coaches were in favor of the six classifications because they thought that it was eventually going to turn into a regional type of playoff situation, similar to what Ohio has. Yes. And that has never transpired. And the thought process, when you, when you talk to a lot of different people, whether it's in the print media or fellow broadcasters in, in the area, a lot of them think that just because of districts like district seven and the big districts out East don't want it. They love the tradition of having their, especially district seven. They love having their, their championship games. It used to be, you get the four classifications over at, at Heinz field. Mm -hmm. I know they weren't crazy about six classes in that district either, but I, I think the reason why they fight a regional playoff system is that they love their tradition, but I, I would love to see it someday in Pennsylvania. I think it would help get rid of some of these wacky scenarios. For example, last year with cathedral prep who ended up getting to the state championship game because they had two games canceled due to COVID. But after playing holidaysburg, they were playing teams out East. I believe it was, it was Wyoming Valley West that game, and you want to talk about uh, crazy stories from 2020. I was in the studio getting ready to do a phone interview with Tom Reisenweber from the Erie Times News to add that to our after our pregame interview with Coach Mishler. And I got a knock on the door, and it was my general manager, Joe Martin, who was on the phone with the PIAA rep. It was about maybe 9.45 in the morning saying that that game had been canceled because Wyoming Valley West had 20 players test positive for COVID. And that was a uh, state quarterfinal game. Right. Then the state semifinal game, it was Upper Dublin, same exact situation. But they found out, I believe that was late Thursday night. So it wasn't quite, it wasn't game day like the previous week. But then they found out, hey, we're going to play for a state championship because we had our state quarterfinal, state semifinal game canceled due to COVID. Same situation with McDowell. McDowell was ready to play Pittsburgh Central Catholic. In a quarterfinal game, Central Catholic comes down with a bunch of cases of COVID. They're shut down. McDowell advances to play Central York and eventually would lose to that good Central York team. So just uh, a quick little <laughs> sidebar there of some crazy 2020 moments. Yeah, I, there's, there were undeniable uh, scenarios that happened throughout every uh, sport. And last year's football season was hopefully a, such a unique scenario that we'll, we'll never have to experience again. Uh, for all the, like you mentioned, reasons ahead of time of players uh, losing their senior season and uh, losing opportunities just to represent their 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 school and their community and and show showcase their talents and uh, it's it's an unfortunate reality. We all have to deal with things that are not fun and uh, what we're dealing with 
on a current situation, but it's a growing experience too as an individual. And hopefully those who added can take some positive out of last year. Like I said, we got to play. We, you know, yeah. it maybe not have been the best scenario, but the games were played. Uh, you know, I was like, I was talking to Lee Moan, one of my partner for uh, for Lawrence County uh, Sportsnet this year, and he was talking about last year was I forget what game it was, but talk about organization because of the limited amount of fans you could have at a game. You know, in certain school districts, uh, they actually had the players' families wait outside the, the gate. And the band's families came in to start the game where they did the pregame uh, warm up for the band and, and the, the Star Spangled Banner and all that. And then they paused and ushered those families out. And then the players' families came in to watch the first half. And then the exact same thing happened at halftime. The players' families would leave the stadium and the band family would come in to watch them perform at halftime. I mean, it's such unique scenarios that we've seen. And then Obviously, the game would go on, and it, it, you did what you had to do. I know I said that earlier before, but uh, you experienced, you know, things that you never thought you could. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to all those who were involved, the coaching staffs and the, the players. Uh, Butler, you mentioned them uh, entering into District 10 and uh, some of the teams that they'll be playing this year with uh, against Erie. Has Butler's program improved at all over the late last few years? Or is this still one of those programs that's uh, uh, a little under underwhelming? How's that sound? Well, it, obviously their struggles in, in in District Seven were were very were were duly noted. I should say, uh, right. real quick too. Before we go back to that too, I'm I'm with you. Uh, you said it right right before I was going to say it the athletic directors and the school administrators and everybody involved with athletics last year, uh, just a tip of the cap to all of them. And a lot of the ones that I worked with were just incredible. You could see the strain on their yes. faces on when, when you had the opportunity to, to talk to them and maybe sit down for a moment and chat with them real quick. They, they went, they went, let's be honest. They went through hell last year with dealing with parents and, and dealing with they they did it dealing with the media in such a, a gracious fashion it was incredible to watch and back to butler didn't win a couple of games last year they i think they broke a, a program long losing streak last year with, with a couple of wins and they're interesting because they've got a couple of nice players returning they've got a uh, cooper baxter their quarterback who's a dual threat and their offense is interesting. It, it's a spread, but it's almost a little bit of that wing T style spread offense with the quarterback and the pistol. So mm-hmm. I know that uh, he he was able to give teams some fits. They played a great game. We broadcast their game at uh, Veterans Stadium against Erie, and they were winning that game twelve to nothing. And then Erie came back and ended up winning that game at the stadium. That was their first in. I believe it was their, if I remember correctly, their only win of the season last year. Uh, that, that's another program that went through some incredible things. Had their district championship game against McDowell called off the morning of because of a COVID situation. Then Rob Matz resigning in November, and they did not hire 
the new head coach at Erie High until a couple of weeks ago when they gave Andre Henderson the job. So they're an interesting team because they always have talent. You got Markwell Darnell, who's being recruited by Division I schools for both football and basketball. Uh, six foot seven kid who can really go up and get it. I'll be, it'll be interesting to see what Erie's offense is going to look like under Coach Henderson. Under Coach Matz, they ran the the single wing, which was something that Coach Matz started doing at Central Tech, and then the consolidation came and they ran that single wing. Now they would throw out of that single wing on occasion, but in a maybe more traditional spread offense, will Darnell get the ball heaved his way a lot? You may see a lot of teams maybe double teaming him at the line of scrimmage and then even rolling a safety over his way because he could be a big part of the eerie offense. And if I may, while we're talking about those region six teams, we mentioned Butler should be improved. Then of course, cathedral prep and, and they lost to McDowell twice last year is one of those rare things with the way the schedule worked out. It was the first time McDowell and prep had played each other twice since the, the mid aughts when they were both 4A schools and they would play in the regular season and then they would play for the district class 4A championship. So it had been a while since they played each other twice in the season. And McDowell had lost eight in a row, beat Cathedral Prep twice last year. Both teams ended up in the state semifinals. And then Prep, of course, as I told you earlier, advanced the state championship game uh, due to the COVID situation. But they bring back some pretty good players. Demario Crawford, Kellen Blossy, Michael Parks, who had a terrific year running back, and then you had Gus Campbell transferring over from Mercier's prep into their backfield. Uh, the question for them is who's the quarterback going to be? Tamar Sample graduated. Uh, right now, it appears that Carter Barnes, Carter Barnes, excuse me, is the uh, front runner to get that starting quarterback job at Cathedral Prep. But I mean, we know what Coach Mishler does there. That program is always prepared and loaded to do some damage. So we'll see what they do in 5A this year. It should be interesting. There's no question about it. Hey, a little uh, side note for you. Uh, I was talking to my partner, Lee Moan, yesterday as we were testing out uh, some equipment for uh, Lawrence County uh, Sportsnet that's coming up this year uh, to do games in Lawrence County. And I mentioned uh, a coach that's here in Ohio who's, uh, back on the sidelines for the first time in about, I want to say close to 10 years as a head coach. Uh, his name is Bill Boren. He's 87 years old. Wow. And he went like this, Bill Boren. He goes, did he coach up at, at, at Butler? I said, yeah, he did it for a year. He goes, I, I could be mistaken, but I think that's the last time they had a winning season and they ran him out of town. Wow. <laughs> and Bill Boren's famous for quotes. He's just, he, he's a, uh, I, he was actually the head coach at Boardman when I was in high school. Anyways, he went and uh, was the head coach in uh, the mid nineties in Niles, Ohio. And Niles has a big tradition of football going back into the sixties and the steel towns and all that of, of that era. And he goes, and he ha- had brought that program back up to a, a level of, you know, of a playoff success. And he goes, yeah, Niles, They'll be the first to build you a street named after you, and then they'll chase you down it to get you out of town. <laughs> that, that that might be Ohio high school football in a nutshell right there. It's just <laughs> a different animal. The, it, it, and I think high school football, there's pressure anywhere. And, you know, as, as we know now, it's, it's not getting any easier in any sport to be a high school coach. You're, you're multitasking more. 
sometimes you have multiple responsibilities. Uh, case in point, somebody like a Homer Delatre, who's the, the head coach at Holidaysburg. Uh, m- most folks in Erie County remember him as the head coach in Corey, and he ran mm-hmm. the local coaches association. Uh, great guy. Uh, every, every time I reach out to him when and McDowell has them on the schedule this year, at home against McDowell. Uh, he, he does a great job of sending information about his team, but you know, he's just, he's just a case in point right there. Some of these coaches have multiple responsibilities and after COVID, a lot of these schools cut back on staff. Uh, you, you have some bigger schools where you had an athletic director and maybe an associate or an assistant athletic director. Those positions are eliminated obviously for budget reasons and they're doing more and more uh, themselves. It's again, tip of the cap to those guys. They work so hard and they're, they're just all such a pleasure to work with. It's exciting to be talking about again, to bring back the point that I made, it might not be the normal that we were accustomed to from 2019. The, the last, the last time before COVID we had a full high school football season. And I'm sure there's going to be, I don't postponements or cancellations. We may run into that this year. Let's fingers crossed. Hope we don't, but just looking forward to getting back out there and just glad to be talking to you about it. I it was thinking the other day after when we brought it up earlier in the show that the last time that I was on your radio MVP podcast was right before the 2020 first round of the PIAA basketball playoffs. It's been too long. It really has. It, and you know, uh, it's fun to talk to you again, and there's no question. I want to thank you for uh, taking your time out of your busy uh, weekend to, to talk to us this week and, and preview uh, the schools in Erie for us. And, Ray, uh, once again, just talk about uh, WPSE and uh, anybody who wants to follow some high school football this year, how can they, uh, throughout the state of Pennsylvania in Northeast Ohio, uh, check out some of the schools? You, you can type our call letters into the search engine, WPSC. As I say sometimes when I'm on the phone with uh, companies like Wide Orbit when you're calling for tech support, Walter Paul Sam Erie or uh, W Penn State Erie, as I believe that the call letters officially stand for. Our, our website is wpse.bd.psu.edu. And on our homepage, on, as I mentioned earlier, most Friday nights, you, you can pick between two games. For the majority of the time, it'll be Mercyhurst Prep on our terrestrial stations at 107.1 FM, 1450 AM, and then McDowell on our second stream. But again, we've got some Saturday games. We have Harbor Creek and Warren on September 4th, Cochranton at Iroquois on October 9th, Seneca at Union City on October 16th, and Titusville at Fairview on October 23rd. We're also Erie's home for Penn State football. And uh, once again, Learfield is allowing affiliates to stream, to audio stream college football. So you can listen to Penn State games on our live stream. And then if you're driving around Erie, we're also Erie's home for Cleveland Browns football, which is why I was in the office here and uh, talking to you on my office computer because I had to make sure that the preseason game against the New York Giants uh, got on the air properly. So it, that's the fun life of a traffic coordinator now as uh, my, my main responsibilities here at WPSE is making sure stuff runs right. It is an important job that goes thankless. And I know many people who uh, have no idea what that person does is uh, thankful that you do it smoothly and seamlessly because uh, 
you know, us sports fans and uh, news junkies and uh, that we need all the information we can get. Absolutely. And it can, <laughs> when you say smoothly, it doesn't always go smoothly <laughs> sometimes for sure. I take it's, the compliment when you can get one. Yeah, I know, no, I know. It's a, a lot of times, a lot of times it's not something that we do. It's, you know, when you get it, when you get satellites and computers. Yeah, I know. All that fun <laughs> stuff, uh, you know. I, computers get cranky. They do. Matter of fact, I was concerned about mine being cranky this morning because it wasn't responding at all. And I'm like, of course. Yeah. One time I need to make a yep. phone call on it. But uh, I'm getting used to that. I just start like 15, 20 minutes earlier than normal now to make sure that, you know, it wants to wake up and do this job. So I, I just <laughs> I just enjoy <laughs> I just enjoy doing these games so much. And it goes hey, back hey. to the time when you you and I worked together. Yeah. And, um, we're, I, we're really fortunate in in this region whether it's uh northwest pennsylvania northeast ohio uh south of here getting into mercer county and into what trib live does for the whippeal and in all these different organizations there's a lot of great local high school sports broadcasters that put a lot of heart and soul and and newspaper people like i bet you tom risenweber earlier Mm -hmm. that that just do yeoman's work in this area covering high school sports. And if it wasn't uh, for, in, if it wasn't for them, it, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of these schools will make it happen. We're starting to see a lot of schools doing it on their own with the video, but, but I hope that I guess sort of in closing that they, I hope that people realize that, you know, any people think that anybody can do it, but I really think that when you have, veteran trained people that can bring the young people along that's the best way to go because i believe that the student athletes and the fans still deserve to have professionals who are passionate and care about what they do doing this i couldn't say it better and that is you know the world we live in today and hopefully long-term uh things will work out properly and and the traditional uh, opportunities for broadcast outlets, if it's either streaming now or if it's uh, terrestrial, uh, can still be the voice and the eyes and the ears, and I'm talking about the print media too, uh, of high school sports, because that's where it lives. I mean, not just the fans in the stands, but it is those who dedicate hours of preparation and hours of information like yourself. Ray, who gave us so much information about the players and the coaches and and just the the region of Erie. And, uh, you know, I, I like I say every year, it's such a pleasure to have you on. And uh, it is always uh, open arms here. If you ever have something you want to promote or talk about, just hit me up and, you know, you'll be on that podcast. Tim, I always appreciate you. Great work with the podcast. I enjoy listening to it, especially in regards to uh, local sports. And just to tell you the type of local sports junkie that I am before we go, I was flipping around on my phone Friday night after I got back and took the family out to dinner on Friday night because my wife jokes, she says, I'm going to become a ghost here for the next couple of months because I'm going to be covering so much stuff. But, and, and I, and a shout out to her. Um, It was tough. It's been a tough summer. We lost my father-in-law, Arthur Anderson, who was a, wonderful man and she's been through a lot and I couldn't do this without her I couldn't do this without my family and 
so definitely a shout out to her. Shout out to my mom who uh, spends a lot of time with my daughter when both Mindy and I are working. And I'm on the road sometimes driving to central Pennsylvania to cover a, a state playoff game like I did during the basketball season. But, um, boy, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> That's just... all right. Well, let me say this for you. Uh, you have a wonderful family. My condolences uh, to your wife and family. And also, uh, you know, just keep being you, Ray. You're, you're a wonderful person who uh, who cares about the, the schools and the kids and uh, putting them first. And that's the nutshell of high school sports. And those of us who have done that know that it's not about us. It's about them. And it's us telling their story. Sure. And, and that's what it's all about. And that's what we're doing. I don't care how you do it. If it's terrestrial radio, if it's streaming, if it's video. And today, what you were talking about earlier about veteran leadership, that's the one thing we can pass on. And that's the one thing I try to pass on to anybody I talk to is just be upfront. If something breaks or something goes wrong, just own it and move on. I mean, this is just us talking as broadcasters and, you know, it's easy to, to, to blame something else or blame that. Just take the responsibility, move on. And, uh, you know what, you'll, you'll earn more respect that way than anywhere else, no matter what you say or how you say it on a championship call or a team that unfortunately may be having a tough skit. Uh, and that's just, that's what high school sports coverage is. It's about them. It's not about me. It's not about you. We're thrilled to be a part of it. We're thrilled to bring the stories to an audience. Now, I don't care if it's an audience of one or an audience of 10,000. Uh, the bottom line is it's their story and we get a chance to tell it. And that to me is what makes this such a special part. And that's why I'm a crazy moronic person who's going to try to do it in two, two States this year. <laughs> yes. And that back to my, my, I said, when I said I lost my train of thought, what I was saying was uh, as we were taping this uh, high school football had launched in Ohio on Friday, the 21st and, I was bouncing around Friday night between a bunch of broadcasts and a lot of it's listening to people like you and and some of my former colleagues when I worked in Ohio that, that I still will, when I have a free moment tuned in to listen to, because I just love high school football. Yeah. It's 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 special. I'll tell you what I miss. And I know we're we're stretching this out a little bit. I miss when having spectrum, I have spectrum cable at home and I miss when they used to have the sports channel that would have all the games on a constant loop. So oh. I could get up in the morning, you know, have my cereal, have my coffee and watch whatever Ohio game they had on at eight 30 in the morning. And I might've caught it halfway through the second quarter. I miss seeing that. I think they do a lot of that on demand on the internet now, but I liked it when I used to be able to just to flip on my TV and there would be, I don't know, um, you know, a game down in Columbus or right. it, it could have been St. X playing elder or something like that. And he'd sit there and I'd just sit there and eat my honey nut Cheerios and watch the third quarter of the game. <laughs> exactly. And that's, you know, that's the world we live and it's fun. Hey, Ray, once again, thank you for your time. I look forward to talking to you during the season. Tell Mindy that this is the fastest 10 weeks of the year. So you, you won't be missed that. <laughs> it'll go quick <laughs> i will tim always a pleasure to catch up with you my friend and have a great season and whether it's either during the season after the season before basketball next time we get an opportunity to talk looking forward to it 
All right. That's Ray Reinsdorf from WPSC in Erie. And uh, I like I always say, I never had to know how to throw it back to myself. But yeah, it's me in the podcast coming up next. My thanks again to Ray Reinsdorf for coming on the podcast. And uh, it was great to talk to him. It's been almost two years since the last time mm-hmm. we talked to Ray. Uh, we talked to Ray as we talked on the podcast with him uh, right before the shutdown in 2019. 19, yeah. yeah, when uh, everything uh, got shut down, or 2020, I guess yeah. it was, uh, in spring, uh, right during the basketball playoff time, because he and I were previewing the, mm-hmm. the state tournament. Yeah, coming up, and that next week we got through one week, and boom, that was it. everything shut down. And that was a uh, wow, a long time ago. And uh, Ray's one of my favorite guys. I've met a lot of many great people in broadcasting, mm-hmm. and uh, Ray is uh, right up the top of that list. I've I know a few, and uh, Ray and James, for that matter, yeah. both of them are right at the top of that list, and you can see why. And what they what they bring in their knowledge it's just it's phenomenal. Anthony, the Indians, yes, continue to to play out the season. Um, I'm not as optimistic as Tom Hamilton is. You, uh, I love Tom. Uh, he's one of the most optimistic broadcasters in the game. Yes. Uh, the other day he talked about, hey, we're only eight games back of the yeah. White Sox and yeah. six games back in the wild card. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're right. Those were the numbers that that day he was yeah. talking about. This team doesn't have that much talent to win seven no, or eight games don't. in a row. I've said that all season long. I said they could lose seven or eight games in a row a lot more than they ever could win seven or eight games in a row. And I still believe that. However, we're seeing glimpse of what next year can look like. They and may. that's very encouraging, even though there was bad news today. Yeah, it's, um, boy, uh, right when Trust McKenzie was figuring it out and coming off two, I mean, three good starts in a row, two, two Amazing starts where starts, he yeah. had no hit stuff. Yes. I mean, each of his past two starts, he had no hit stuff, especially the game in Detroit that we talked about. And that's a huge blow. Um, better to get on top of it now than, oh yes, um, oh, you yeah. know. Let me, so, let me stop you for a second before you go any further. Let me ask you this philosophical question about him. Okay. Do you think... His makeup, his physical makeup, he's going to ever be able to make 25 starts a season. No. And neither do I. No. And that's why, you know, I've always been in the mindset, and it's probably too many or too high of a number. When I break camp, I want eight guys in my rotation that I know can go get me at least five innings. You got your starting five. Yes. And then I want three guys in AAA that I can turn to, and they just have had to use it the last couple of years. Um, Depth at starting pitching is a trouble for all major league teams. But, yes, I think that would be the perfect goal yes. that most teams would want is to have three players, either A, a veteran that you can come mm. bring up that, that didn't make the club, or two young guys who you really truly believe can make those yes. uh, those emergency starts. And, or four or five starts at the major league level and go back down and be ready the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're needed. You don't have a pitching staff go in, injury-free very often, hardly ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's difficult to build that that depth. Mm-hmm. It takes time because some of that depth grows up into the major league yes. pitching. And we've seen that over the last five years. 
a lot of the players the Indians have brought up, you know, some of them they moved on from, like Clevenger and others. Mm-hmm. But my point is they all came through the system. Either it was traded for and came up through the system, but they were in the Indians organization at the minor league level coming mm-hmm. up. Um, that's a rotation, meaning you're going to have a group of players four or five years uh, that work together and make get to that level mm-hmm. of AAA uh, major league level. Yes. And when they do graduate to the major league level and become full-time major league players, now you have that void of two or three years to build up the yes. next group. And I think that's where the Indians are from last season and this season. Is there, We're seeing some of that young arms come up, yes. and some of them are just too soon. Uh, Mejia has talent. It looks like he's more of a bullpen guy yes. than he's ever going to be a starter, but that's something you found out. Yes. Um, and, say, and others. I'll say, say Sam, too, about Sam Hentges. When you ask him to go get you two the four innings, He's dynamite. I mean, his fastball command right. on Friday night was really, really good. Um, he made the Angels. Otani and Fletcher were combined mm-hmm. one for seven Yeah, with three Ks. I mean, the two big bats in a pleated Angel lineup you got to worry about now are silenced. Hentress can be a really, really intriguing piece out of the bullpen going further. And you know what? He's a lefty, and the Indians need a left-hander in the bullpen. They've not had one since Andrew Miller slash yeah. Brad Hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really has been. You know, well, you can see the difference in the bullpen without without Hand this year. Mm-hmm. A steady veteran yep. presence who can close. Uh, you've seen Karinchek hit a wall here in the last but, month. You've seen Class A go up and down. Uh, you know, that's the back end of your bullpen. Vikran too. You've, yeah, Vikran's had a, 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 a tough year. And I will say this, and I know he's your whipping boy, yeah, and Brian is. and Brian Shaw, but he's made the second most appearances in baseball. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing for this club, giving you innings and giving you opportunities. When you're out on the field as much as he is, you're going to win some, you're going to lose them. That's why he has five wins. That's why he has five losses or whatever it may be, five and seven or seven and five. I don't even know All what his I... is. But my point is... You're going to get that. And we talked about this before, and I said this many times, and I'll say it over again. When you're asking pitchers to make three or four appearances in three or four days, chances of them somewhere along the line not succeeding. And that's just the way it works. I know he's your – and I'm going, to let you, I'm going to let you say whatever you want. I just want to say, but you look at what he's achieved this year and what he's been asked to do, no qualms for me. All I ask, I have seven games left in my season ticket package. I have one one request. No more Brian Shaw this year. Let's I would guess that you'll see him at least oh, five of the seven games. I'm 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 betting on we're gonna I bet I'm telling knowing you knowing my luck we won't see him tonight and tomorrow I'll be sitting there and I'll get a kick in the back, hopefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a story onto itself. We'll he, we'll tell that one down to, in the future. He, uh, and I'll I'll see that big burly bearded man running out of the bullpen and I'll I'll boo and I'll get nauseous and I'll be like, well, let's see how many hits and home runs we give up today. You know, the other day he came in and they needed a double play and he got the double play. And then they went to the ninth inning and Karen check blew up. Uh, these things happen. Um, that That's my point. Hey, and you and know, you're going to get you're going to get situations. And Brian Shaw, because of the amount of games he appears in. And that is 
really something the Indians as an organization or the future Guardians have to really rethink. I'm not saying you're incorrect uh, in saying Mm -hmm. that he gives up the home runs or he gives up the big hits or the two out hits. Way too many walks. Right. And well, that's true. Forty-eight percent first pitch strike right. ratio is right. Is, but again, but you look at the amount of games he's been used. He's the second highest appearance in all of baseball. That's amazing. That in itself has value. I know you don't recognize that. It is, but but my point when you're pitching, you have to do your job. Well, my and, point is when you're asked so many times to do this, you're going to put yourself in situations where you're not going to succeed, and that's just the way baseball works. If the Indians would go out and get themselves another, quote-unquote, I say this to make your heart cringe, another Brian Shaw oh, to God, go with them. But you then, all of a sudden, those two players are 20 games less than what they normally need. You have a much stronger, better bullpen. And that's where the Indians need to be going for, or the Guardians will need they next need- year. They need help to take the... Take the need, whoever, and who knows if Shaw will be back. He's on a one-year oh, contract. Oh, God, let's hope not. But if you don't, you're going to need to find someone who can make 75 to 80 appearances. Let's, and I just don't know if that, that is going to happen. another veteran. We need to uh, get more experience in this bullpen. Yeah. Too young right now. And Well, the, yeah, there's no you're question You're going to have that. to do the one-year flyers on guys, and that's fine. That's, I, I mean, bullpens are so fickle from month to month, really. Yeah. Uh, it's not even year-to-year anymore. It's month to month. Um. I'll say this outside of the bullpen. This offense has got to find a way. I mean, last night, every single one of these guys is swinging for Lake Erie. I mean, whatever happened to just keep yeah. the inning going? Yeah. I mean, well, the talent level on the offensive side is to be. Five through nine is. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. Minor league. It's bad. Yeah, it's, it's bad. bad. It's just bad. They don't make enough contact. I totally agree with you there. Um, the addition of Miles uh, Straw in center field is going to make a big difference. He is absolutely incredible. Yes, well, I, I don't. He his speed and his awareness on the balls is absolutely incredible. I've said it in previous podcasts, and I'll say it again: up the middle defense matters in baseball. So your catcher, your second baseman, your shortstop, and center fielder are your glues to your defense. If you get all-star caliber players in those positions defensively, then you have a chance to prevent runs. And that makes your pitching staff better. And it also takes pressure off. Now, the the kicker here is you can't have 220 hitters in every spot. No. That's the hardest Let part. Let me ask you this. You just mentioned up the middle defense. Have you seen enough of Andres Jimenez to say he's not a second baseman? I will say this. No, I haven't. But we're also asking a shortstop to play second baseman. So we don't – I honestly think Clement has the best shot at I second base right uh, now. As of today. Major League right. right, right. And I think his bat's getting there. His bat's getting there. Now, he needs the protection question, in that lineup. Yeah, well, the question is, is he a light-hitting 260 hitter or is he a gap hitter? And we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. That's a question that will be answered over time where he has 1,000 at-bats at the Major League level. We – we got like 250 at bats for the guy, so we I don't think you're know. Seeing him hit that wall too, right? See, here's the thing: you have a major league bat in Rosario, but yes. we don't have a major league a glove, glove in Rosario, right? Now you can get away with a less glove at short or second if their offense dictates that. The question I would have is: 
would Rosario move to second base and Arias be your shortstop next year? Now, here's what I'm about to say to you. I've been high on Gabriel Arias for... Oh, we all have. We yeah. all, exactly. Here's the kicker, though. September 1st, Wednesday, only expands by two roster spots. So you can't bring, you know... Um, yeah. Bringing it, Arias up would require you to say, you know what, Andres? We've seen all we need to see from you this year. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to play it out. Um, you can't send down Yu Chang right now because... He's your first baseman slash co-first baseman with Owen Miller because we don't know when Bobby Browley's coming back. It could be a week, to be yeah. two weeks. Right. So and he's been gone you already need a month. Chang up there. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. And they have weaknesses. Add another everywhere. arm, I think. The corner positions are weak everywhere, other than Ramirez at third base. And, and that's you, just the honest God yes. truth. Um, uh, we. Has Zimmer played better? Yes. yes. But do you consider Zimmer? Yeah, I was going to no, say, do you consider no, Zimmer an everyday yet. player? No, not I don't yet. either. Not so, Defensively, absolutely. Well, yeah. And then, you know, Naylor is the same thing. Is Naylor the first baseman of the future? I think We he don't is. know. But we don't know. When is he coming back? Well, not till next year. And I'll say this with his, I'll say this. Moving him to first base might be best for his injury to rehab that quicker. I, you know. Um, I have seen enough from Bradley Zimmer defensively to say, yep, you can be the everyday right fielder. But like you mentioned, your corner spots have to provide power. Zimmer, I think we've seen what he is offensively. Let He's me 240 to 250. Let me throw this. I, th- I may have thrown this out the last podcast. I don't remember. Okay. If Reyes moves back into the outfield at one of the corner spots, let's put him in left field. For okay. Now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he becomes your three-quarter guy in, in, in left field. That means right field's open. Okay. Who knows what they can do? They can either bring in somebody or they'll bring in somebody also as a veteran to be a DH. Now, either case may be, if you can move, you do- if you can move that bat to the outfield and get everyday production out of it, either, let's say, 60 65% okay. in the outfield, the other at yes. DH. And do the exact same thing. Find a player who's a first baseman, DH, uh, and like a Santana was. Yes. And put him in that position. So you, it would add a professional hitter to this yes. lineup. It would it would lengthen. You it. need two parts. You need probably a one to two year guy like a Cesar Hernandez, first baseman type. Let me pose this to you. You put Josh Nader at DH. It's possible. With I'm the not, injury as serious as it we, was. Again, we'll we have to know. wait. Yeah, we won't know until next spring. Um, it's possible that he could. I mean, let's, let's just put it yeah. this way. I, I I would never say no. But, but here's the thing. Can you give up on Bobby Bradley yet? Bobby Bradley could be that DH and you find a first baseman. There's a lot of different scenarios here is what I'm trying to say. Do you platoon? Possibly. I'm not, Can again, you platoon with a young guy like Bobby Bradley? He needs the at-bats. But they all do. That's the this is where this is where you have to get. You know, obviously, if you can move a Reyes out the left field, all of a sudden now you have a guy who can play maybe 70 percent of the games in the outfield, mm-hmm. the rest of DH or day off. Yes. All right. If he's healthy all year, that'd be a wonderful scenario. Yes, it would be because now that it opens up Bradley possibly as DH and first baseman, it brings Naylor in at first base and right field possibly. I'm just using these ex- and DH. We don't know yet. I think Naylor ultimately 
given the injury, but pre-injury, probably better at first base. Oh, there's and no question. I'll say this, too. You move Naylor to first base and you platoon him at DH, you can play Harold Ramirez, too, in a corner outfield spot, platoon him, because he has hit the ball well this year. And I think with more at-bats and more experience, Harold's proven that he can get the job done. Do I want him in the outfield 120 games? God, no, because he's not that good defensively. But Puts the fun back in the fly ball. Oh, Tim, I don't need any, you know what? You don't need any more fun like to that. Your, <laughs> from your lips to God's ears, I wish I could kick you in the back right now. Um, no, I don't need any more fun, Tim. I said it last night to the doctor. Uh, that's another story we're going to get to. Um, God, I hope my parents are not listening to this this it should long. be interesting. Um, yeah, this is a long podcast. Thank yeah, you for listening so far. But you know what? Congratulations! I think this is what we Tim. needed, though, you know, just to, you know, just to sit here and, you know, because I'll say this: getting off my phone. What the hell I was going to say? Right now, nobody wants to talk baseball with me, and that's all I still want to talk about. I don't want to talk football until Friday or next Thursday. But I don't need any more fun in the outfield or. In the games, period. I just want to get through these last seven games with as least amount of heart attacks as humanly possible. I know probably I'm going to have five um, with the bearded man. Um, but there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. Me, personally, I'd like to see Gabriel Arias up. And I would... Say, you know what, Andres, we've seen you this year. We're not giving up on you, but we've got to see what we got in him because you have a 40-man crunch, too. Tyler Freeman has been the Indians' top middle infield prospect, higher than Arias. Now, he's hurt this year. He's going to be in that mix next year in spring training, too. Well, here's you hit it on the button there. The Indians will make minor trades this offseason, relieving some of this logjam in the middle. Not 100% relief, but there will be players that you'll say, I can't believe they let, they, we'll just use Freeman as an example. Let's yeah. say Freeman gets traded. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gutierrez, Rosario are all possibilities. I'm not, I, I have no idea what they'll do. Yeah, we let's don't be know. honestly, let's look at it this way. We know Ahmed Rosario can bat. He's a legitimate stick. Now, I'm not saying he's ever going to be an all-star and Here's, hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 RBIs like a, like a Ramirez. But what he's I do right now is fine. But I was going to say, you could definitely see a, a bat who is a 260 hitter and probably can top out around 285, 290. He's 290 right now. He's probably going to finish the season, say, 280, 285. Yeah, that's who he is. Here's my question, though. Can you pencil him in every year for 270 to 285? Like, right now... I think he is. I think that's what he is. I think that's what he is. We know we can pencil in Jose for 35 and 100. So you're... I I think think we can, too. I think that's exactly who he is. I really like Ahmed. Ahmed is who he is. Okay? He's not a good glove man, but he is a legitimate major league hitter. Oh, come on. Let's add more fun to the game, Tim. (laughs) That's the problem. I don't have enough as it is. Well, that's the problem. Exactly. Here's the problem. If you have Ramirez... Who's had a bad season with the glove, but a lot better in the last second half yeah. of the season. If you get a uh, an all star caliber defensive second baseman, then you probably can live with Rosario at shortstop. Yes, you're okay? right. But if you end up with 
a mediocre or above average guys, then you can't. You, because you have to be strong up the middle. And that goes right to the catching position. Because Perez probably won't be back. They'll probably let him become a free agent. I agree with that. Now that they got Romos, they're, they're, I imagine he's going to get a legitimate well, opportunity yeah. to be the everyday starter because of his bat. Now, you recognize that you have great, you have a, a legitimate backup in Hedges that can play the game and mm-hmm. do everything you ask him to do. But more importantly, is you have Alomar to work with Romus all yes. spring and next season. And that may make him that uh, a next step above what he I'll is as a catcher. And that might be good enough. With, with at-bats and playing time, Ramos has a lot of power. We've seen it already with us. Oh. We've seen it in Detroit. I'm going to say this, and I'm not ready to eat crow yet, but beginning of the year, I was extremely hard on Austin Hedges. Yeah. I did not like him. Since the All-Star break, he's played really well. He has played really good ball. And offensively, too, he's gotten a lot better. So I think you're right. I think because of the injuries to Roberto Perez and the – Dip in production offensively and defensively of Orange I just think it's a money jay. Uh, the seven million dollars he's not worth seven million dollars. Right. Not. I just don't not think it's going to happen. Um, but our top catching prospect Bo Naylor is two years away. So you need two catchers, three catchers to go forward for a Again, couple of years. Don't be surprised if the Indians pick up his option to trade him. I think we know what Anthony and Turner are going to do, and it may not be in Cleveland. They will have a veteran catcher in Columbus and or Cleveland to go with Hedges. I believe that. Oh, there's no it, question. It, They've it proved it this Ramos, year. It could be somebody else. Um, but they will have a bet, and I like that. Um, if Wilson Ramos with enough at-bats can give you 15, 20 home runs in a full season, you're going to take that. I'll it, tell you what, if Ramos plays 115 games at catcher, he'll probably hit 25 home runs. You can play that at DH too if, oh, yeah. if that's, that's, Fran Mill moves to a corner right. outfield exactly. spot like he says he wants to. Um, we need another source of power behind Fran Mill to just to protect him. You need more than that. You need bottom of the order power. Power. Yes. And that's what he could bring batting philosophy. seventh or eighth. Exactly. I like your point there. I'd rather have a power bat seven or eight in the lineup. I want my five or six hole hitter. I like Bradley Zimmer hitting five or six. I do because you get to the one through four. I've said for a, a couple weeks now. I think you'll agree with me. Going into March thirty first next year against Kansas City, the opening day, we know one through four in that lineup. You know, Strawn, Center, Rosario, Short batting second, Jose batting third. Although I have a what I would do and out front Neil fourth, flip them. I would bet. Straw one, Jose two, Rosario three, and Reyes four. I like the idea of having a speed guy, a guy who can get on base at five, um, because you you assume the way the Indians offense goes, it's boom or bust. Right. It's going to be a home run or nothing. So the base is probably going to be cleared one through four. You've never got to get on base, make something happen. You know, just that's the way I think. I would switch Ramirez and. Rosario, I would give Straw some protection because he's still a young hitter. He's not played a full season in the big leagues yet. Um, you know, he's shown tremendous potential with us. I mean, he is, I mean, for the first time in a long time, the Indians 
have a center fielder they can look forward to. Um, I'd bet Jose, too. And if you have one or both of them on, Rosario's hitting 315 with guys in scoring position. Now, he's not going to do that next year, probably. That's a, that's a career year. But if he hits 270, 280 with guys in scoring position, so we're going to take that, right? Sure. So he might be your second best RBI guy, and it breaks up Reyes and Ramirez. It, you know, it could. It's there's a lot of options. It, there's it, no there question, is. and we'll have to. I, you can there's make a the case. There's a there's a legitimate analytical argument to make that your best hitter should bat second. Yeah, and and there's not. You can make that case, and mm-hmm. uh, the Indians usually have not followed with that thought process, but. It may happen in the future. Anthony, let's wrap this up. There it's been are, an extremely long yes, podcast. Yes. Uh, I want to th- take this moment and thank both James Dotson and Ray, Do- uh, Ray Reinstorf for coming on the podcast. I want to thank you for coming in and doing this here tonight. It was It's a late night. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, hopefully I'll have this up tomorrow. I don't know if I'll get to it all tonight, but we're going to try. And, uh, yeah, uh, this should be available hopefully before Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, God willing, everything will happen. Uh, we got a lot going on for mm-hmm. both of us. Yep. And next week, we'll have a chance to talk about my trip to uh, Progressive Field. Yes, uh, you'll be back at Progressive Field for the first time in a while. It'll be good to have you back. Uh, I will be there tomorrow night, and I'll be there Sunday afternoon as well. Uh, I have seven more games left in my package this year. It's been a whirlwind. It's been an absolute whirlwind. Um it's a lot of late nights, long, long car rides back after a loss. Um, it, it's just a lot of. It, it, it's really busy right now. It's um, so hopefully, Here's, I'm two and six in my last eight games. You better bring good luck to him Sunday. You better be the good luck charm. Uh, let's hope, because I'll probably only make one appearance at, at Progressive Field this year. All right, real quick for my schedule coming up: Friday with Mark mm-hmm. Mooney uh, Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Saturday with Lee Moan on lcsportsnet.com, powered by LCAP, with, uh, as Shenango takes on Nishanik. The following week, uh, Friday with Mark, Saturday with Lee, Sunday, I could be with James or Jim Craven in Erie with 12-ounce sports and Western Reserve covering the championship game mm-hmm. of the GDFL. That's a possibility. So... Just give you an idea of what's all going on. Plus, I guess some personal stuff that we'll talk about in the future. But till then, Anthony, last thoughts. Nothing. That's I why I'm nothing. Hey, if you stay with us this long, thank you very much. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you download this podcast. And we really do appreciate everything again. My thanks once again to James Dotson and Ray Reinsworth for coming on. We'll talk to you next time right here on Radio MVP.